Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Does it feel like summer's half over, PK? Uh, I always go to the MLB All-Star Game. Oh, yeah? I know Which for is a next lot of people, week. For a lot of people, they're tied to the school calendar. And so we're about midway between school ending and school starting. It depends because districts are off by a week or two. Oh, yeah. In a there. couple of weeks, my wife will start to get uh, more ornery. Because <laughs> school's on the horizon. Yeah. <laughs> and the worst month of the year is the month before she goes back to school. Well, and then there's always, you know a couple of weeks, two, three weeks. It's basically until we get into September. So as you progress along July, uh, you start to, oh man, here it comes. And then you start seeing back to school ads and all mm-hmm. that stuff. And that drives you nuts. And then you got to go back, and you're not ready to go back, and you've been enjoying the last two months of free time, doing whatever you want. And then you got to get back into that, and you got boring bleep faculty meetings. (laughs) 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 And you've heard it a million times over, and blah, blah, blah. And so then you get in the drudgery, and then you just kind of count the days till Labor Day. And then after you get past Labor Day, then you're in the groove. I've always struggled with the school schedule here. And I'm done scheduling. I'm done struggling with it because now the the youngest has graduated from high school. So uh, our lives aren't aren't paired to that thing. But my dad was a teacher. And obviously me and my brothers were going through school. So school ended mid-June and we didn't go back until after Labor Day. And going back in August just seems so early. You know this high school football on August 13th? August 13, PK. Well, here they do it for weather. The 13th. And so you can get done. That's Friday the 13th, or is that a Thursday? No, it's Friday. Oh. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited for that, though. That That's that's always good news. Get some games that count in high school. Probably watch it on television. You guys make a big deal of it. Seems like a big deal. Uh, the kids are all excited about it and this year. Uh, well, Utah was really good about last year, getting in full seasons. It was awesome. Is Corner Canyon going to be good again? I don't know. I assume so. Yeah. You know, you're I can get, get the scouting scout, report Get if your you scout want. to get the scouting report. Let's go. I don't know. Uh, I mean, they got a 50-some uh, winning game, winning streak. So I assume they'd be good. Five weeks to go. Is that what it is? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm excited for Pac-12 Media Day uh, coming up in a little over two weeks. That's when I really get going uh, on that. But I'm wondering, you know, what will happen as far as media access. I, mean, I don't know that they're going to do anything. Are they just going to do, do what they've been doing and just having the stuff in the morning uh, for them and BYU later on in the day? The Zoom availability at 8 a.m. was not the worst thing that ever happened to our show. <laughs> no, it's I'm it's not a fun. big fan of... The practices being closed and all the Zoom stuff because it's fun to go up there and actually see stuff and have a chance to talk to people. But as far as carrying it live for our listeners, yeah, I watch social media. We didn't get a lot of complaints. Listeners like that. Yeah, that that would be great if uh, that's what the U of U did. BYU didn't do that. They did it later. Uh, a lot of schools have gone to morning stuff now as far as practices. I know in, in Pac-12. Uh, several schools have done that. And so if that's what you think is best for your program, so be it. But I don't know what they're going to do media-wise. Uh, I'm At this point in my life, I don't sweat it either way. 
If they want us to have a go up there, I'll go up there, check it out, hang out, see what's going on. Uh, if they don't, then they just want to do it Zoom and they talk about the practices, uh, I'm fine with that too. It, do, it doesn't really matter. And the way I look at it, then the season starts and we watch the games. The games are what it's about anyway. Yeah. So that's really all that matters. You know, Once we we'll, get to the games, then yeah, it's on. Yeah. Well, and at that point, their practices were largely closed anyway. Uh, yeah, and it used so. to not be that way. I like it in August, having to be open, get a feel for some of the new kids. Uh, but once the season starts, then the games come once a week, and then you get to see them anyway. So yeah. it doesn't really – whether you see, and then in the season, if you saw practice, which I used to do, I'm old enough to where we used practices to be open, you couldn't report on anything you saw anyway because they didn't want you to. No, but you saw, and so far our discussions we were more informed. You know, well, yeah, how's, they're, how's they're, a game going to go and how are people going to perform? Yeah, like, I got confidence in this O-line, you know, or I got confidence in this secondary or, you know, you couldn't be out there saying, hey, I saw the sweetest trick play. No, and I'm a that. trustworthy dude. And so and I've been around long enough, guys, trust me. So I, I can recall I, I told you that story of the Oregon thing where the coach stopped me in my tracks and says, we got this. Yeah. And I came and I said that I yes. said it before. Yeah. And then what, they roll up 60? Yeah, it was like 62 or something. Yeah. yeah. Had the crazy uh, punt trick play. And so if they just do Zoom on that, I probably won't get that. Yeah. But if that's what they want to do, so be it. DJ and PK coming up next. Corbin Kafusi, Tim View High, BYU, now trying to catch on with the liners, with the Niners and moving to the other side of the line, which I turned into liners. Uh, offensive lineman, Corbin Kafusi, next with PK and I on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The playoffs may be over for the Utah Jazz, but the season never ends on the Zone Sports Network. From the NBA draft to free agency and on to the summer league, the Zone will be with the Jazz every step of the way as the Jazz front office builds for the future. Your exclusive home of Utah Jazz basketball is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It's time to welcome in Corbin Kafusi, offensive lineman for the San Francisco 49ers, a former BYU Cougar. Corbin, good morning. How you doing? Doing well. Corbin, you may not know this, but you are joining us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah is in an extreme drought currently. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property. Concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. I am curious uh, what a long, strange trip you have found professional sports. <laughs> it, it has been a long, strange trip. So now you're with the Niners, and we remember you as on the defensive side, and now you are on the offensive side trying to make it as an offensive lineman. What have you had to have done as far as technique to your body, all that stuff, the difference between being on one side of the ball and now being on the other? Oh, you know, it's been a complete overhaul, to be honest. You know, body-wise, you know, I came in, when I first came into the NFL as a defensive lineman, I was probably 270, 275, and now I'm around 330. I've been up to 350 before, so that was an overhaul. Technique is completely different. You know, offense is just a whole different side of the game and so learning that has been you know it's it's been hard but it's been really good 
So how did this how did this happen? It seems like pretty late in your career to have what seems to me a radical change. You know, maybe maybe it's not. Maybe I'm just up in the night. How did this all play out for you? Yeah. So um, I was actually recruited to BYU to play offensive line, and so my first spring ball at BYU before I went on my my uh, service mission, I did as an offensive lineman because that's where my dad always wanted me to play. He's like, oh, it's better longevity and stuff, and so. It was never something that came out of the blue totally, but you know I ended up playing D line, and then when I got it, after I got waived by the Saints, I was just working out, and my uh, my agent was like, you know, some teams would love to see you at offensive tackle, and I was like, oh okay, you know, I had never really thought about going back to it, but I kind of shrugged it off, and then after a little bit, I was like, you know, I'll whatever it takes to play, you know, I just love the game, so. Whatever it takes. So the average American male, I think, is like 5'9". So nobody can relate, or most folks cannot relate, to someone who is like you, 6'9". 275 is enormous, just for guys like us. And then they ask you to put on basically 50 to 75 pounds. It just seems so outrageous. What does a person need to do who already weighs 275 to put on that extra weight in order to play that. How do you go about that? Yeah, to be honest, it's just you have to have discipline in your eating. And you think it's almost the opposite where it's like, oh, you don't have to have discipline at all because you're just going to eat everything. But (laughs) it takes a very strict schedule of eating to to gain weight the way you want to. So I've heard people who've had to do that, and then Thurl Bailey uh, burned calories at a stunning amount, and he always said they were always on him to eat, to keep his weight up. You know, playing basketball, he just burned through so many calories, and his natural metabolism did it. He said it became a chore. It wasn't enjoyable. It wasn't something he looked forward to. It was, it was kind of work in a way. Is that how you find eating now? Do you, do you enjoy it, or is this like, this is like going to work? Oh, well, it's now, like, my body's kind of used to it, so I don't have to, like, continue to keep crazy amounts of calories. But, yeah, when your metabolism isn't quite there yet and it's still just burning everything, you know, when you're at a lighter weight, oh, eating becomes the hardest thing in the world. Yeah. And I remember, luckily, I had some experience with this when I went from basketball to football at BYU because I gained 40 pounds within that window and, you know, I would always take these meals to classes and everyone would be like, wow, he's eating these nice meals during class. And I'm like <laughs> sitting there almost like tearing up because this is the fifth time I've eaten the exact same food and it just has no taste to me at all. And it's just you don't want to eat it, but you have to. So it's definitely a chore and it's work. So why the Niners? Uh, you know, the Niners, I'm, I just like – one, their offense. They have a great offense. I love Kyle Shanahan and everything he's done there. And just, I think it kind of fits my skill set. You know, they love to run off the ball. Their their tackles are offensive line and just great athletes. And so, I thought it would be a great fit for me. So, why do people see you as an offensive lineman? Whether it was your dad or whether it's these NFL teams, is it is it partly your size and your wingspan? Would You'd be avail- Would you be able just to push that rusher around the edge and send him looping 20 yards behind the quarterback? Yeah, to be honest, it's definitely that. It's the, the physical traits where I have these, these long arms, you know, and 
you know, from playing basketball and stuff, the footwork's there as well. And so it's just being able to put those all together is what you kind of look for in offensive linemen. And I, I won't lie, when I was a defensive lineman, I didn't give credit to the offensive line because, you know, you're just trying to beat them. But being on the other side now, I'm like, these guys are freaky athletes. You know, to be the size that they are and to do what you have to do as an offensive lineman, like you're the only two people on the field that work backwards are offensive linemen and defensive backs. And it takes an extreme amount of athleticism. And so, yeah, I, I was just grateful that I found a position that really you know, complements the, the natural gifts and talents I've been given. So last summer we had the COVID thing, and it's still around, but last summer obviously was at the height. What's different as far as training and all that stuff and what you're going to expect when you get to camp as far as last year versus this year? I think already it's already been – huge difference i was able to go out to san francisco and we had basically a full otas out there you know some teams were didn't meet up some did a few weeks whereas like i was out in san francisco for 10 weeks and it was great to be with the guys on the team we had almost the entire team out there and so working with them getting to know guys getting to actually walk through play like it already feels way better than it did last year feels way more normal and so going into training camp i'm just excited because you know it's going to have that normal feeling again and we're going to get preseason games so i'm excited so what is the number one thing you have to do to make the roster to get onto the field what what are they pushing yet i think you know there there's definitely a lot of different things they're probably going to be looking for but i think for me it's it's going to be looking natural as I play. You know, when you're making a transition between positions, there's always that learning curve. And, you know, you look at guys and you're like, okay, like he's still learning the position. And for me, I want to go in there and have, have them not even think that I switched positions. You know, I just want it to look natural. Be like, oh, this guy can play. Like this guy plays offensive line. Instead of it being, uh, oh, like, you know, he needs to keep developing. So that's my goal. So you mentioned your father, Steve. Now everybody knows, or most people know, that he's a longtime coach at BYU, and then I think that before that at Utah. Uh, he stepped away a couple years ago. How's he spending his time these days? You know, he's good. He's uh, just finding other things to do, whether it be business, and he, he still does a little bit of training on the side for for uh, young kids or anyone that wants it. So that's all. it's kind of fun to see him get his, his fix in, his football fix. And so, yeah, he's just kind of keeping himself busy in those ways. You know, the name Kafusi for uh, generations of fans, both Utes and Cougars, it has resonated. Are there more Kafusis on the way? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, I've got, of course, tons of cousins and whatnot. And then... Like even my my brother's kids, my my little sister just had a baby boy. That's the the further down the road generation. So yeah, there's definitely gonna, there's always going to be Kafusis coming in. <laughs> That's for sure. So your one brother Devin went to BYU and now he's at Utah. And you guys played. You and your brother played at BYU. So September 11th is the game. Where are your loyalties going to be? <laughs> you know, family first, of course. So, you know, I, I love BYU and I had a great opportunity there, but definitely going to have to support Dev. And so it's, it's almost like, yes, it's hard, but it's also a win-win where it's like, oh, okay, like I'm, I'm glad when each team does well because I have different reasons for them. 
And, you know, we were so excited when Devin transferred because we knew that was going to be the best thing for him. So I'm excited to see how he does. I always figure with Kafusis, there's both red and blue in the co- closet. It's just like shape shifting or something. And you, you know, the, the Kafusis, they they are just comfortable. You, you'd make great spies. <laughs> no, it's true. I won't lie though. Growing up, we had some awkward family reunions. <laughs> half of us were blue, and half of our family were red, and just a lot of tension in the room. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of like the Coveys now with uh, with Britain playing for uh, Utah. They have those BYU ties, but they have a, a they literally have blood on the Utah team. So I think you got to go in that direction, at least for the short term, anyway, right? Oh, absolutely, and it's so funny because. Britain's older brother was one of my best friends growing up, and I watched BYU games at his house every single week. And so, like to see them in red, I'm like, okay, like, <laughs> you know, that's that's what it takes. If the family's there, you got to stick with your family. Yeah, I agree. So you got you got Britain stories. Uh, we've we've heard a bunch of them. He's told some on himself. He's hilarious in interviews. You got Britain stories. <laughs> is him as a little ten year old running around the house or something? Oh my gosh, Britty was the he's like the entertainer of his family, and so like he's the one. Oh my gosh, like literally everything we do, we'd always make Brady do because he wanted to. So like we'd have him go into restaurants and just do these crazy dumb things and he had no fear doing it. Like, you know, he had no he had no problem going in and just looking super awkward or super weird. And that's what we loved about Brady. It was like he just had no fear in doing these things for a good laugh. So we, we touched on the Kafusi name. You know, it's a household name in football in the state of Utah, obviously, and it's been that way for a number of years. And then when you factor in your uh, your dad's uh, brothers and, their, as you say, their cousins, and the name isn't going to be dying out anytime soon. And so then we have that the situation here where we saw that college players can make money off of whether it be their name, likeness, and image, and they're calling it and all that stuff. Uh, so the, my, my thought for you is that you guys are such big names in the state and another Kafusi's rolling off the assembly line. They have already got the name built in into the community. Do you think that, and your time has passed, so it won't be for you, but going forward, <laughs> do you think that people, your cousins, whoever they might be, or nieces and nephews down the line, you think that that can maybe help them with name identity to maybe make some extra money there off the name of Kafusi since it's such a big name in our community? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I'm so glad that they finally passed that with, you know, NIL stuff because the the window, you know, to capitalize on these things sometimes is big, sometimes it's small, but if there is a window, you got to capitalize on it. And so I'm excited for my cousins and anyone else that can to capitalize because I think there's just such an opportunity there. And I think it's definitely there for them to take where, you know, and I, like you said, my time came and passed, but it would have been nice to have that as an option to, you know, whether to help myself or the future to even help my family even more, it just opens up a lot more doors. And I think there's a lot more opportunity so as long as we're talking uh, image and likeness, we got the name down, the Kafusi name, very recognizable. But I got to admit, as I look at a bunch of photos here uh, on my computer, I might have picked you out as a saint. You got the beard going at this point. You're not the clean-shaven guy we saw at BYU. But the jet shot with the hair down the shoulders, 
you totally I would have walked by I would have walked by you and I wouldn't have known. So what yeah. what's the Niner look? What are you going for? Oh well it's funny you ask because you know, I as soon as I finished that even yeah, as soon as I finished that BYU, I hadn't cut my hair since. What? And then yeah, and then once <laughs> about the whole I was allowed to grow a beard, I was like, you know, I can grow a beard. I I got a pretty decent amount of like my beard grows in pretty thick and so I grew out a beard and I and, you know, switching the offensive line, I kind of wanted that rugged, almost Viking look. And so I had hair down past my shoulders, big old beard. And just actually last week, I decided, you know what, I'm going to change it up. It's, it's about time for me to clean up the look. And so I cut off all my hair and shaved my beard down. Like, so now it's just scruff. But, yeah, now the, the Niner look is, is definitely like a clean-cut business look. So you're going to stay with that or you're going to let it grow again? You know, I think for now I'm going to stick with it. And, you know, I might, I might let it grow again, but who knows. But for now, I'm like, ooh, I'm like, I kind of still have this feeling where it's all, it's all business right now. There is Corbin Kafusi, the former BYU Cougar, former Timpview Thunderbird, and then the Cougar. And now, bouncing around the NFL, trying to find his home. Practice squads with the Saints and the Jets. And now we'll see if he catches on with the Niners. 28 years old, PK. That's pretty far down the road to be switching positions. But the physical gifts, they catch everybody's eye. Man, this 6'9 guy. Well, yeah, with the Kafusi size alone. If he just gets the leverage to push this guy out wide, we're golden. Yeah. Now, run blocking, getting lower, getting underneath the other guy's pads, that'll be a little bit of a challenge. Uh, nobody runs the ball anymore anyway. <laughs> they actually run it a little <laughs> bit in San Francisco. With who? You like Mostert? Yuck. You listen to our show or somebody else's? Ours? <laughs> you like Mostert? Yeah. He's a good back. Are you Mostert? Yeah. Nah. He's just another guy. It's still quarterbacks. <laughs> still quarterbacks. You run the ball off the passing game. Yeah. I mean, if you can't throw it, you can't win. That's the NFL today, for right. sure. Yeah. You got to be able to throw it. Yeah. And you want some running game there. You need to be able to convert your third and ones and third and twos and touchdowns, not field goals in the red zone, and all that stuff. I mean, outside of the Titans, we ask so little of the running game. Right. He's a throwback. Anymore. And Cowboys run the ball well. Uh, but you know, not, you, Yeah, but not that much better. They did for a while. That much better than what? The rest of the league. I don't, I don't think that uh, – I don't think Ezekiel Ellis is a 1,500-yard back anymore. Really blow your doors off the way like Henry just carries the ball and carries the – You just need to be able to pick up yards when you need to be able to pick them up. Yes. Keep them off balance. Keep them honest. Yeah. That, and convert the short yardage situation. That's really all it is now. So, uh, I mean, if you're an excellent pass blocker, you have a shot. And it really, we're just asking you to do something for five or six seconds, and you're good to go. Then take a break and do it again. And that's it. Can he do it? I don't know. It's worth a flyer. Oh, just his size alone. Yeah. Yeah. It's worth I'm, a shot. I'm just amazed that you go from – 275 to 350. Oh. Eating is work. I've never been at that point in my life, but I've never tried to put on 70 pounds of muscle either. So, so what, what did you, you've been about 250, 255? Never been to 250. <laughs> Might get there one day, hoping not to. Now, you made, I remember years ago, you made a statement. You said, I will weigh one point in my life 200 pounds. Are you still standing by that? Oh, that I'm going to get back down to 200? No, me. Oh, you. Yeah. 
that I will weigh two pounds. Yeah, I'll stick with it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but you seem to have a pretty good, and, and maybe it's one of those things where you can't, by just merely observing something, you change it. What do you mean? You're very good if you're thrown a challenge. You like to be challenged. It's the jersey in you. And so if I throw out a challenge, your weight's going to balloon to 200. That is going to get you to put down that slice of pizza at 185. You're like, I don't even want to risk 190 because then 200's in sight. And you're competitive. You like to turn on games because there's competition. What game, what sport? I'm not really sure. But if it's really good competition, I'm in for it. Correct. And you always knew who those people were at conference basketball tournaments. You probably still do, but I haven't been the one who's been going to them for a decade now. Uh, because those are the people, there were some people who would get up or they'd, they'd stay out late, so they'd get up late, or they'd go play golf, or they, they'd just find something to do. And then there were always a handful of the media that were over at the women's uh, semifinals and championship game. You knew people, relationships matter, and then there's competition and there's a good prize. You're going to the NCAA tournament. And I would go over and watch the Gaucho women. When I was in Santa Barbara, they had a coach. They were really pretty good. They haven't been very good lately. But they were really pretty good. So they were in the mix. And you've talked about that going down to the WAC and Mountain West tournaments. And the Utes and Cougars were pretty good. And so usually somebody was in the mix. And you knew it's just like football now. You know coaches at both schools. You chat them up. You know some of the stuff they've been through. In the case of that era, it was how they'd struggled to get along with Rick Majerus and share a building. Oh, he's Elaine Elliott had stories. Obviously, Jeff Judkins had stories. So you had the ties, and it's like, well, they get into the NCAA tournament if they win this. I can go over and watch this for two hours. I'm in. Yeah, And it's the same thing with this. That appeal to competition is why you will, you know, at one you hit 185, you're going to start drawing the line. Nope. I'm not having dessert. Nope. I'm cutting down on the portion size. I do try to never get above 185. Yeah. And you've got all kinds of little rules that may seem idiosyncratic to you, but when you throw them up against what people who really work at it do, it's like, well, that falls in line. You go out, you go to Cafe Rio, and you either split the entree. I know this. You either split it with your wife or you eat half, you bring half home, and it goes into the fridge. Put it in the Tupperware, wrap it in the aluminum foil, whatever. Heat it up. That's lunch tomorrow. Yes. I like that burrito. Yes. So I'll stretch it out over two days. Yes. Cut the calories in half. Pace yourself. So Or if I eat it the whole thing, I don't I hardly eat anything that day. So try to set it up. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. But more likely what you say. Yeah. But if I go and oh, portion portion control matters. Oh, big time. Yeah. yeah it's especially way as you get older. As much as the workout's great and you go run and all that, like the amount of time it takes to burn two hundred, three hundred calories. Versus simply not consuming. Oh, you're not going to do it at the gym. Yeah. yeah. If you just if you just did workouts, it won't that get be enough. No, it wouldn't be. You wouldn't meet your goals and what your desire. The bigger are. question is, can I get back down to 200? Oh, I, there's no doubt in my mind. That's the bigger question. I don't know what you weigh, but there's if you wanted to and made a full time commitment to it, no then doubt in my mind. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK coming up next. It's game two. It's the Suns. It's the Bucks. Is poor Lopez going to be the victim? The Suns just going to go at him? Does it matter? Is Giannis capable of a massive game? We'll get to that next. Stay with us. Rises and fires for 
The playoffs may be over for the Utah Jazz. But the season never ends on the Zone Sports Network. From the NBA Draft to free agency and on to the Summer League, the Zone will be with the Jazz every step of the way as the Jazz front office builds for the future. Your exclusive home of Utah Jazz basketball is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Good morning, it's DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Let's see a show of hands. Who's ready for Game 2 of the NBA Finals? I'm into it, I am. Tonight. Yeah, definitely. Have you uh, gotten any screenshots from your sister reminding you what time the game tips off and what the final score of Game 1 was? I didn't get that yet because the game hasn't uh, happened, obviously. But I can share... Uh, something with you if you're interested. Absolutely. If you weren't with us yesterday, PK was telling us that his, both his sisters who were down there in the Valley of the Sun, one of them sent him the final score of the game as if we don't have television in Utah and we weren't watching it and we didn't know. I did get this. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Keep calm and go, sons. Yeah. You don't want to keep that calm, do you? You're in the moment. You want to get revved up. You want to get excited. <laughs> that was the fun of it when the Jazz are in the middle of it. You don't want to stay too calm. These are good times. You can be no, calm in the lottery years. Keep calm. We got this type of deal. Don't be have uh, anxiety over it, I think, is the deal. is that the more along the lines of this is ours. This is going to happen. No need to fear type of thing. You know, because as I've said many times, this community that I live in now reminds me of the community that I lived in then in terms of their passion for their NBA team. And it's something that you've wanted, 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 and have had many very good teams along the way. And either you got to the final or you had some devastating, disappointing losses that uh, prevented you, like this year, uh, there was a couple of times when John McLeod was coaching the Suns and they lost the teams they had no business losing to. Or I remember one time, Seattle, in a year I think the Seattle won it, they were up uh, 3-2, and it was Mother's Day, and Paul Westfall's mother sang the national anthem, and it was at the Veterans Memorial Coliseum just uh, on the other, a few miles away from downtown, on the outskirts of downtown, basically, and uh, thinking everything was right, and Seattle took game six, and then they had to go up to Seattle, and they lost game seven, and it was just brutally disappointing, and we have been there in this community, so I would imagine that the feeling is, wow, are you kidding me that they're actually going to do it? So I think it's one of anxiety, not in terms of going ahead and celebrating wildly, because it's right there. It's so close now. Can this possibly be true? <laughs> Out of the middle of nowhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, I, and I, I think that when it comes to that, I think it will come at some point in this community. I don't know when. I think you'll feel the same way. You know, When you got to the final, well, you had Jordan, who never lost in the final. And even though you thought you may have had a chance... Uh, you know, you didn't, even though the games were closed, the series was closed. But Jordan wasn't going to lose. He literally never lost. Now, here, the Suns, nothing against these guys on the other side, but there's no Jordan there. I'm not even sure Antetokounmpo is better than Pippen. 
Yeah, and the the I don't know if dynasty is the right word. We use that. Man, if teams just win twice, we give them the dynasty. But when there's some some super team, whether it's you know adding Durant to the Warriors championship roster, or LeBron building a team down in Miami, there's nothing obvious like that in their way. You know, there's no dominant Jordan, Shaq, and Kobe on their way to three in a row. There's none of that. You're like, man, you have got to you have got to cross the highest hurdle to win this thing. Oh, yeah, precisely. So I think that they are in a position that it's almost too good to be true. (laughs) And I think that's where the fan base is. Something's going to go wrong. Well, if something is going to go wrong, what is it? I don't think it is, but I'm saying. I know. Because I don't have that fan, true, hardcore fan mentality that we know fans have. The gamblers don't think something's going to go wrong. Phoenix was the favorite in game one. They are the favorite in the series. And the expectation is they will do it. If something goes wrong, it's usually the star player going off. So Giannis, I mean, there's nothing wrong with 20 points and 17 boards, but he is capable of going for 40 and energizing everybody around him and making the game easier for everybody else because suddenly the whole team's, you know, the whole Suns team's trying to figure out how to slow down Giannis. It'd be interesting if he can do that because I don't know that he can do that against Phoenix. Why not against Phoenix? They got a better rim protector and Aiton in the middle. Uh, harder to do the more you advance in the playoffs, pressure, intensity, uh-huh. all those types of things. Uh, I don't really trust his outside shot. <laughs> the, the Suns don't either. They're like, why don't you have that? They're playing two steps off him, and he reluctantly launched a three late in the game and missed it. Yeah. So I don't know that it's a terrible shot, and it's not that he can't get on a roll, but you got to pick your poison, and that's the one. It's like, well, if he can beat us doing that, then so be it. And he might. It's not impossible. Well, but you I don't think, dare let yeah. him get in the rim because he's absolutely or get in the paint because he's going to get to the rim and finish. I think it's more about the Suns. If the Suns are doing what they're capable of doing, the Bucks will not win. Now the Bucks have to play well and then defend well to where Phoenix isn't on the top of their game. But if they get their games that they got in game one out of Booker, Paul, and Aiton, they're going to win. Can they get those games? If they get those games three more times, they will win. Can can they get them? Will they find ways to win? If they don't get them, those are the questions that need to be answered. Statistically, the difference was the free throw line. Now, some of that is Giannis is not a good free throw shooter, so he's going to miss some, and the crowd's going to be counting to 10. And, you know, does that get in his head? Would he miss him anyway? The Suns probably can't shoot him as well as they did in game one. 25 out of 26 is extraordinary. But getting to shoot twice as many free throws, for a while there, they were tripling at the line. Uh, you pointed it out yesterday, man. Booker was Booker had at least eight free throws in the first half. That was very surprising to me. Yeah. And that was a real difference in the game. The number of two-point field goals, number of three-point field goals, you know, they flashed the stats as the game progressed, and they were remarkably even. But the Suns were crushing at the free throw line. Now, some of this, it's how you play. And the Suns, you get you get eight and around the rim, and you get Chris Paul in the mid-range game, and the more shots you take close to the hoop, the more likely you are to go to the free throw line. Well, I thought that Booker knew didn't think necessarily that his outside shot was falling. And he's 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 not very stocky, but he's six five ish. So he was purposely taking it to the rim, looking for contact, and then when he got the contact, put the ball up while you're in the air 
So they force you to call. Yeah. Uh, you force them to call a foul, and you're sitting there, standing there at the free throw line, getting two easy points. Analytics so, means a lot of things to a lot of people, but and if there's one thing analytics has been clear on, the free throw line is a very efficient way to score. If you can get to the hoop and you can get to the free throw line, do it. It's very efficient. You know, you're going to have some three-point plays along the way. You're going to get some of those shots to fall. And if you go to the free throw line and he's a good free throw shooter, you're good to go. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. Absolutely. It's great. It's a great way uh, to get you going offensively, individually, and then as a team. Because I thought that the Suns came out a little tight at the start and the Bucks were a little looser. And then Booker started going to the line and that got How long did momentum. you sense that? Probably about the first five minutes. Oh, okay. All right. I thought, oh, this might be. Uh, yeah, they a traded bit of hoops early on. I didn't think anything of it. I thought, yeah, I thought it was, it was like seven little... to two. Yeah. I mean, it's nothing, but right. I just I felt like the Suns were a little tight. Right. Because I think there's more pressure on them, particularly in You're game the one. Home They're team. Home it's team, game yeah. one. You had the better yeah. regular season record. Right. You almost had the best record in the league. Not quite, but almost. So, yeah, there was more on them. They're the favorite. But it was it was twelve to ten, so the the ship was righted pretty quickly. It was. I'm not, I'm talking the first few minutes, uh, and I think Booker set the tone by taking it to the basket and getting his rear end at the free throw line to get e- easy points. He's going to shoot minimum eighty percent. He's just that caliber of a player, so that really worked for him and them. And we'll see how that works and what adjustments the Bucks made. You know, they tried to go small. Uh, and then you saw the Suns match it a little bit, and you know what what kind of games can these guys have? Because I don't think each team, neither team, is particularly deep in terms of uh, a Terrence Mann scoring 33, 39 points off the bench. I'm not sure I see anybody being able to do that for either team. So there's a lot of reliance on the main players and the cogs to make sure that they do what they're supposed to do. So here's one of the main players who's interesting. The Suns win at Lopez a lot. You know, you're going to switch, and you can put him in a pick and roll, and you get him into mismatches. So is he going to play less? I don't think it much matters. Because? Because no matter who's in there, they'll do the same thing. The Bucks can't defend the Suns. The Suns have too many options. They can pick on poor Lopez when he's in there, but if he's out, they'll pick on somebody else, and they're still going to get their 115 to 120 points. If they're making shots, obviously. Uh, so, yeah. And I think that they've got more weapons. And that was based on what we saw at home. Role players play better at home. We know that. So, for right now, for this game tonight... I think they have more weapons. Although I do think 2-0 is not the end, nor do I think 1-1, the advantage shifts dramatically to Milwaukee. I don't see that at all. Giannis, and then you got Middleton and Holiday. Can those three do it then? Especially if Lopez's minutes are limited. Well, I think that they're going to have to because they just don't have a whole lot of depth that they could be counting on. So, yeah, I mean, those guys are going to have to play. They're going to have to do well, very well, maybe even a little bit above what they're capable of doing. I think Giannis did what he was capable of doing under the circumstances. Hadn't played in a while. I thought he was fine Yeah, for what he was able to do. Do I think he can get better? For sure, yeah. My guess is that he will get better. 
That's why I think this still has an opportunity to still be a very competitive series. So I'm not looking at one versus the other having a major advantage. Certainly when you go up 2-0, if that's the case, then obviously the advantage is in your court and what can you do to take advantage of it. Because that's what I think. Home court, to me, uh, just matters in terms of being able to close them out in five and then having game seven at home. That's really all that I look at home court. Because home court can backfire on you just as easily as it can help you. Because if you lose one of the first two games, somehow all the momentum shifts to that team, which I think is somewhat of a misnomer. I think that in this particular series, if they go back to Milwaukee 1-1, that's exactly what it is. It's even. I don't see one team have an advantage over the other. I don't worry so much about the close it out in five. I'm thinking more of that earlier in the playoffs when you want to get done. Oh, yeah. I'm not talking about this off. series. I'm talking generally. Yeah. Have a little time off and get to the next series. Right. And here, in the finals, is just win it when you win it. No, I'm not talking about this particular series. I'm saying when I see home court, yes, that's the way I – what does home court actually mean tangibly – and I think those are two things that it can home court can yes. make a difference. And obviously closing it out, you'll close it out whenever you close it out, and then you've got months off, so it doesn't matter. I'm just talking generally here. I don't know that home court is going to make a whole lot of difference with these two teams. These two teams, I still think they're to a degree evenly matched, although I, although I do give the edge to the Suns. Because of the eyeball test or because they did better in the regular season playing in the tougher conference and they won more games? And I just, so I think they're a little deeper. They're the tougher road. And I think they have, with Aiton playing at the level that he's been playing, they have more high-end weapons. Now, he hasn't been playing like that until recently. This is not who he's been, but he's only a third-year guy yeah, in the he's league. He's still a young guy, and third year is a year a lot of guys make the leap. He's 22 so he's, years old. So he's making the leap in his third year. And towards the end. Yeah. So if he continues, I mean, he was great. He's putting up huge numbers. He's yes. a major factor. There's no complaints. There were complaints earlier, but there's no complaints there's now. There's a lot of times that he was just a stand-around guy, and they used to chart. I'd heard they wanted him to dunk the ball. Because in order to dunk the ball, you have to exert some form of aggressiveness. And so they were charting his dunks because it was a sign that he was being active and moving and doing things instead of just taking up space. And so we've seen that out of him, that he's showing more emotion. Those And Chris Paul, whatever he's the reason, whatever the reason is, but Aiton is coming of age. And from the Phoenix perspective, it's a really good thing to say see because he was, uh, as I said, I used to describe him as a rich man's Ulster tag. He wasn't as wildly inconsistent, but he had periods where he was just out there standing around, not doing a whole lot. You know, 9.6 boards. Your talent level dictates that you should be doing much better than that, and we've seen that in the postseason. He really has come around. And so with him playing the way he's been playing consistently, I – that's part of the reason. And I think the Suns have a couple more weapons that the Bucks don't have. And so those are the two reasons that I give them I give them a bit of an edge. And I, as you're telling me that that's what Vegas is saying too. Is what you said, right? Yeah. Yeah. Suns. 
Right. You got a point spread for game two? I hadn't looked it up yet. I never but, look at basketball. Yeah. I have no clue. I just went generally. You said that the, the Oh yeah, the they're absolutely they were heavy favorites to win the series. And yeah. it, and it was a six point spread in game one. I assume it's ballpark. It's, it might be a little closer because I think in game one people were anticipating that Antetokounmpo wasn't going to play. So Right, right. And now we probably know t- we uh, were expecting now. him to do what he did and probably do it even better. And then even I think he'll progressively get better, certainly as he gets his wind about him. And I think if the people are going to ignore that uh, graphic that your sister just sent you, stay calm, that that would be the reason to ignore it, is that Antetokounmpo is just a fraction of himself, and he'll be in a little better shape, he'll have more confidence in the knee, and he'll get hot and play a little better, maybe he'll be a little more explosive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, all those. And so if he goes for... You know, 35 or 40 instead of 20. Not only do you get that extra production out of him, but presumably the defense is now focused on him. It makes the game easier for everybody else, and they get going. And you defend harder because you're revved up about the way it's getting. It's the whole momentum thing just starts to carry you. And maybe Phoenix gets a little tight in that situation. Conversely, yeah, maybe they play well too and they even build upon their momentum. So then they go back to Milwaukee up 2 0 with all sorts of confidence for Sunday. All these games are pivotal. No doubt about it. There aren't that lot, many of them left. A lot so riding on this. So I, I'm definitely into this series. I don't think there's any question about that. And probably because of the Phoenix connection, maybe I'm into it a little bit more. But I, I like having a, a fresh faces there. Having something new. You know, I would have been fine no matter who who's in there. But I, I, I like having a team that has only won once, what, 40-some years ago, and a team who's no, never f- won it. 50. It was 1971 that they won it. They were there in 74. So it's been 47 years since they were there. But it's been 50 years on the button since Milwaukee won it. So they won it in 71? Yep. And the okay. Suns have never won it. Right. Oh, I know that. Never, ever. So it is something fresh. It is something new. And the way the teams were built, that's a way the Jazz or the Nuggets or the Blazers or the Indiana Pacers or whoever else, teams that have had pretty good stretches but haven't won at all, you can do this. So I think it is interesting watching this because you have a chance to replicate this. You don't have a chance to replicate signing Shaq. Sorry, <laughs> not going to happen. LeBron's not walking through that door for Sunset you. Sunset Shack. What? Sunset Shack. Yeah, not when it mattered. They did have him. You're right, but not when it mattered. Yeah, but I never doubted that. I believe if you do the right things and have a, a somewhat of, uh, of a good fortune, you can get it done. San Antonio already proved that a thousand times over. This is nothing new. Hit on those late draft picks, like we were talking about with Barry Trammell. Get good players. And have good fortune of health and maybe have a bounce or two go your way. And I believe it can happen. It's, it may not happen consistently. And it'll be interesting to see when the Spurs get back, how long is it going to take? So obviously they had a great, great run, but that's over. And in time here, probably sooner rather than later, they're going to have a new coach. And so what are they going to do there? Interesting to see Start how again. long it's going to take. Yeah. Well, the Jazz are at... It could go 50 years. Yes, easy. Because the Suns have had two finals appearance in 52 years? Yeah. That's not very good. (laughs) 76, 93, and now this year. And the Jazz are 23 years removed from 
Their trip to the finals. And I was living in three different states in the Suns' finals appearances. It happens. <laughs> Life I'm goes over, on. I move around. <laughs> the the Suns' record is actually the Padres' record, believe it or not. The Padres started in the 1969 season. So the Suns started like six months earlier because the NBA season's a little earlier. And Padres have been to two World Series. Lost them both. Suns have been to two NBA Finals. Lost them both. Now the Suns break through. They're giving everybody hope. And if they don't, then Milwaukee is. Oh, I already had the hope, though. I believe if you do things the right way, the opportunity's there. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Coming up next, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us. Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag NBA. Chris Paul, he's been a bucket, man. I mean, he, he obviously, you know, he, he gets his team involved. He is the greatest leader, you know, to play this game. But he's been a bucket for a very long time. That's Devin Booker talking about his teammate Chris Paul, Suns and Bucks, game two tonight. Suns trying to go up 2-0, and they're going to have to do it without Dario Saric. Torn ACL, so he is done. Sucks for him. You know, it's not funny, but... Interesting is that Antetokounmpo's injury looked looked way, way worse. worse, and then Sarich, yeah. you know, buckled a little bit, and then we see the result. And I feel bad, obviously, for the individual. I mean, it's not a big time blow, but it is for the for the person. So I certainly and he, he's made some threes and played okay at times. So that sucks. But Chris Paul, the greatest leader of all time, no. From Devin Booker's perspective, I can see entirely why he says it. Sure, absolutely. How do you, but if you phrase it how as did the, you say he's not though the history of basketball? Why couldn't he be? There have been so many great leaders. Exactly. So a guy why who might get be? one title late in his career. None of those great leaders did what Chris Paul's done. Went to a team that hadn't made the playoffs for eleven years and got him to the finals. Nobody. Who name me one great leader who accomplished that? So why do you just summarily and ignorantly, I might add, dismiss it? Because you know I have a Phoenix background. 704 at 50 seconds. You piss me off. Cool. I hate soccer. <laughs> I know. We all know that already. Us, That's not us, breaking news. Hold on. Give us 10 minutes, okay? <laughs> no, I'm just trying to hurt you the way you hurt me. That's well, all. you do that every day for years. I mean, oh, I've got a callus. Is there anybody who doesn't want to be a victim in this world? Every day, there's thousands of people who want to be victims. Why does anybody want to be a victim? It doesn't make any sense. Rise above it. Succeed. Yeah, Rise maybe hard, like a salmon. But do it like a phoenix, you fool. <laughs> and that's P-H-O-O-L to you. Oh, really? Everything's PH now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> nice. In honor of us. Sweet. Yeah. My team, my time. I want that one guy to call up. Remember he said, your sons are going down in the first round. Ha ha, ha ha, ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it, PK. And he's a bucket. Kenny Chesney has a song. 
I changed the beat of an F. <laughs> Pretty good tune. You should play it coming back. Yeah. You got anything you're looking for tonight? Points. The PK keys to the game? Victory. Keep it going. Make shots. I told you Frank Kaminsky would have a key role, and you laughed and mocked and scorned me. <laughs> Everybody wants to be a victim. And now look at Frank. No, that's a fact. That's not that's not victim. Those that's indisputed, undisputed, non-disputed. Fact. And now Frank, FK with the FGA. You watch. Oh, he's gonna have the game of his life. The whole state of Wisconsin is gonna go nuts. <laughs> All right, 7 o'clock tonight on ABC. Boston Celtics star Jason Tatum said he's honored to wear the number 10 jersey for USA Basketball. That was the number Kobe wore for Team USA. And when Bryant was a kid growing or excuse me, when Tatum was a kid growing up, Bryant was his favorite player. Him and five trillion other guys. Sure. <laughs> but he got to the Olympics. <laughs> he just happens team. to be wearing that. I had no idea that he wore number 10. I never remember that stuff. He should have retired that, though. That would have been cool. First time and only time. Retiring Olympic jersey? In honor of, I mean, obviously, it was a tragic person, a tragic way to die at 41 years of age. It's still stunning to believe. DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. Draft's getting closer, so it's that time. College athletes who said right. I'm in the draft are saying, I'm out. I think yesterday was the deadline. I've double-checked that, but I think it was. Marcus it was Bagley going back to ASU. Another year for the Sun Devils. He's the brother of Marvin, and their grandfather is Joe Caldwell, who's probably the most legendary. I mean, there hasn't been a whole lot of legendary Sun Devils basketball. Although, you know, just my dumb luck, when I came out of high school, <laughs> they had Fat Lever and Byron Scott as the guards. So I couldn't play there. Oh, you're so close. <laughs> you're the next option. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's a little inside, folks. That is. Shots fired. <laughs> Otherwise, man. You'd have been the guy. BK throwing lobs to Alton Lister. <laughs> you could have done that. That's the part of the gig you could have done. I could have hit a J back then. UCLA also getting Johnny Juzang back. He'll be uh, playing for the Bruins. So how about there's been some guys. They, what's, what's interesting in the Bagley thing is that he came in with he came to, he he came in <laughs> with this Josh Christopher, and they were supposed to be all that hyped, and and they sucked last year as a team, right? The worst that uh, I think Hurley's had under all circumstances, and and Christopher I guess has still kept his name in there. In fact, I saw a mock draft. Just yesterday, I've been looking at that stuff since we're getting closer to it, obviously, and, and had the Jazz drafted him. Josh Christopher, 6'5 guard, uh, with uh, what, they're going to have the 30th pick of the draft there. And uh, so Bagley had put his name in the transfer portal, too. So then he announced that he's coming back to college, but he didn't announce where because he was in the transfer portal. And then uh, later on the same day yesterday, he announced he's going to come back. And that's that's good for them. They haven't had much to shout about in 30 years, really, since since Byron Scott and Fad Lever. And 
But then there's uh, some other guys, like Remy Martin, played there for four years and put in a big deal. I mean, I'm a Sun Devil for life, blah, 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 blah. Well, he's put his name in the draft the last couple of years. I don't think he's an NBA player, but he takes his name back out, so he's going to take advantage of that last year. But he's Mr. Sun Devil and all, and now he's going to go to Kansas. So there's been a few of those guys on that. That's interesting the way that is playing out. They take their name out of the draft, but they don't go back to their school. They go back to another. They go to another place. It's like we used to look at. The, well, we always look at the pros. You know, the jersey and the laundry. That's what you're loyal to because guys come and go. But now we're seeing at the college level same too. Just, thing. just exact same thing. Yes. Yeah. And maybe even more accelerated, right? At least the pros, you have multi-year deals. Who was it who was telling us uh, you're not dealing with free agency every year? I think it was uh, Mark Madsen when he was on. Saying in the pros, I mean, guys do sign three-year deals and stay put. You're dealing with free agency every year, but not with the whole roster. But at college, it's it's free agency for the whole roster every year. And I think college basketball, maybe it's because here locally the teams haven't been making any NCAA tournament runs to uh, any degree. BYU got in, obviously, and uh, Utah State gets in sometimes, but Utah's been down. But college basketball's taking such a hit, and I wonder if that's going to play even more because now it becomes even slimier, in a sense. Now, these kids are free to do what they want. Fine, I couldn't care less. Right, and aside, basketball. But, but aside from that, how are the fans, you know, they do it all the time, and we see it with the pros. You say, well, you don't really know the guys. You think you know this guy. You really like this guy. You bond with him. Now, you bond with him at a really superficial level. You never hang out with him. You don't really know that much about them. Yeah. But in the colleges, how are you going to – you could – you know, with the youths were having their great runs, and they brought guys back, you felt like you got to know them. You certainly got to know their personalities on the court. Oh, for four years, yeah. And you'd see feature stories on them in a newspaper and interviews on TV mm-hmm. yeah, and the radio. Definitely. And now, the media doesn't have the access to tell their stories. The guys aren't staying put in one place long enough to have their stories told. So basically, if you're going to be a fan, it's because, well, it's been a lifetime thing and this is what I do. Or they win. Or they win a lot, and then it just becomes purely transactional. Well, yeah, I'll go watch them because they're going to win 25 or 30 games, and they're going to go deep in the NCAA tournament. But that can only be true, and you hear it all the time in the pros. Well, we'll win, so we don't have to worry about the PR stuff. Well, for an individual club, that might make sense for a while. But for a a pro league or a college conference, obviously you're going to go 500, right? Everybody can't win. Maybe in a college you can bolster that by, you know, paying money games and winning in the non-conference. But you can only have so many NCAA tournament teams. <laughs> About 16 are going to be in the Sweet 16. Everybody can't count on that. It's the same as the NBA. 30 teams can say we're going to win. Well, 16 are going to go to the playoffs and two of you are going to go to the finals. So... I, but I don't know how to change it. I mean, to just go back in time and say, well, it ought to be like it was then. Well, that's not going to happen. It's not going to change. No, not at all. So you just wonder, does the public stay stay bought into the if same If they degree? win, yeah. yeah. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. I was trying to get involved in it. Someone who had knowledge on this situation. I remember us talking to Condon, to everyone, to find out when it was happening and I remember Saturday, I was so stressed out. And finally, we talked to someone. It was like seven at night. And they're like, no, nothing's happening at the earliest till tomorrow. So you can finish your night. So I'm like, all right, I'm done. 
put my phone down, talk to Mandy. I'm like, all right, let's go out to dinner. Let's have some drinks. A half an hour later, my buddy calls me. He's like, I'm just telling you, if you want Stafford, you need to get a hold of him right now. And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, no, we just talk to people. Like, I can sleep on this. We'll talk to him tomorrow. I'm just telling you, you need to talk to him right now. And it totally, I knew it. And then like 10 minutes later, it was all over. That's Kyle Shanahan on the Matthew Stafford trade. Stafford, uh, Detroit, and the uh, the Rams made the trade. Who's Mandy? His wife. Are you sure? No. Are you sure they're married? Okay, I can't be sure of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what I thought. <laughs> you Utah County people. <laughs> now he's looking it up. <laughs> yeah, look it up. Get this over with. Let's move on. This guy, he's addicted to looking stuff up. He is. He's... <laughs> Yeah, they married in 2005. They got three kids. So, what message does this send to your current quarterback? Or you're so far down the road with your current quarterback is just the guy who's there, so what? Apparently the Niners have kicked the tires on everybody. Right? Oh, Mandy. Jimmy G. I knew that was coming. Jimmy G. Yeah, well, you're the guy. You're the guy until we get somebody better. Well, then go be better yourself. Why wouldn't that motivate you? Why does that have to turn you off? Go prove them wrong. Hasn't anybody ever doubted you in a, in a job-wise? Yes. Well, then <laughs> yeah. you, you just shrivel up? No, I'm still here. So no you, you prove them friggin' wrong. Comma. That's a little <laughs> comma there. There's an exclamation point. Ain't no it's, comma. It's comma, and then there's no, a no. certain word, and well, then there's mean, an exclamation point. You can point. use whatever word you want. Come on, man. I've been told. I've been working at the Tribune two months. I think you should find another job. I just moved two states over. I can find another job? No. no. You need to find another job. XFL announced on Wednesday it's planning to relaunch in 2023. They had talks about collaborating with the Canadian Football League, but those talks didn't really work out. 2023. I don't even know if I'm going to be alive Sunday. Sweet. That's a nice That's a nice, nice throwback that's to Shanahan. Nice. That ties to Shanahan. That was his draft comment. And will Jimmy G be on the roster? Zero commitment to Garoppolo in San Francisco. All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. 40. Former Stanford, Notre Dame, and Washington coach Tyrone Willingham will be joining the College Football Playoff Committee on a one-year term, replacing former Texas A&M coach R.C. Slocum, who's stepping down due to health concerns. Willingham previously served on the committee from 2014 to 17. Those Unde- committee members, they just recycle them. Und- they do. Undefeated teams are in. Two lost teams are out. The one lost teams, they'll sort out. That's all it comes down to. Well, uh, for now, we're we talking about, or does this term go when the thing changes? This starts we- now. I know, but I get that. But how long are these terms? I don't Normally know. Normally three for five- years. Three years. Because it it's not a whole lot of controversy now. I'm wondering if it will be more interesting then. More debate then. It, it, now, the, the really the only debate is because ESPN has a television show and has to come up with a debate. So they make a debate, even though really one doesn't exist. It sorts itself out to a large degree most years. Right. I mean, they do the, the, the first poll of the in-between... Duke yeah. versus uh, Kentucky and Michigan State versus uh, some other 
big time right. college. They have North some Carolina. Du- they have some doubleheader, yeah. and while the teams are yeah. changing in over Chicago, and they bring right. in Herb they, Street, and they make it so dramatic, they, they clear the bench yeah. and and let the teams <laughs> warm up, and for thirty minutes. Oh, I think these guys. I think these guys. These are my top four. But it's all just manufactured. But, yeah, and it's just four out of the six teams that we know it's going to be anyway. None of the group five teams are going to be invited. None of the two lost teams are going to be invited. The undefeateds are in. It's like the NBA lottery. They go a half hour for something that takes 30 seconds. Yep. NHL's Florida Panthers announced plans to establish an opportunity for college athletes to align with them as part of a recent rule change that allows college athletes to profit off their name, image, and likeness. Panthers have started gauging interest from athletes who attend universities nearest to where they play, so that's primarily Miami and Florida Atlantic. So they're going to have college athletes well, align with What are they going to do? Pump up games and Every one of them will be interested. You put money in my pocket. I'm interested. Gauging interest? All those in favor? I think they're deciding how much money. Because you're right. Says. I know. Well, gauging your interest level. I can't I have be bothered. A if you're going to put money in my wallet, but I, I've got but a lot of interest. But somebody maybe say. can't be bothered for 50 or 100 bucks, but they can not? for 500 or 1,000. Why not? Well, I guess why they got to gauge their interest. Well, the guy who... You don't throw away 50 bucks. Maybe you do. I think we just, people no. out there in Radio Land, we just found out if you ever knew the difference between him and us, and I include you as us, we just found out. Do you have to drive across town and do something, or do you just have to pick up your phone and do something on social media? What the hell's the difference? It's all got to be negotiated. <laughs> if they're paying me money, I'm doing it. You saved a school 600 grand? That was 600,000. Well, I don't know. Big pile of cash right there. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. The next 2-2 home. Oh, he's going to get the jog around the bases. He did it again. He's a beast. (laughs) There really is no one like him. You foul it off your front foot. You foul it off your back knee. And what do you do? You say, yeah, let's take that little casual jog. And he rockets that one out. On 0-1, Aguilar swinging a blast. Deep to left. McKinstry back at the wall. Goodbye! A walk-off home run! Aguilar, his first of the year at Low Depot Park. It's a three-run game winner. And the Marlins have beaten the Dodgers for the third consecutive night. 9-6 the final. Jesus Aguilar there with the three-run shot to give the Marlins the win. The Nationals blow out the Padres 15-5. So the Giants with a win on the Cardinals pick up a game on both of them. And the first highlight you heard was Shohei Otani. Fouling a ball off his knee, off his foot, and then homering for the 32nd time this year. Which is a record for a Japanese player coming over to the major leagues. Hideki Matsui had hit 31 and now Otani's got 32 and is on pace for 60. Blow by that record. Yeah, I mean, that was a matter of when. Matter of when. And when is now. And they won. What was that noise in the middle of that call? Ha <laughs> oh, He's an exciting player now. Uh, that game was on the MLB Networks. So I was watching it. and He just uh, makes everybody excited when he, when he comes to the plate. I mean, he... He's right now, and Trout's been out with that calf injury for weeks, and no, mess, they don't even have a timetable for him to return. Uh, he clearly, without question, is the number one attraction in that ball club, and he's got to be right there at the top. This is this reminds me of when I was a kid, what Fernando did for the Dodgers on the mound. 
It's just an unbelievable level of excitement. Cubs beat the Phillies 8-3, so the 11-game losing streak is over. Cubs back in the win column. Mets ace Jacob DeCrom announced he will skip the All-Star game to spend time with his family and prepare for the second half of the season. He was the Mets' lone All-Star game representative. How often do we see that, PK? I don't remember a lot of that happening. What? All-Star game? I'm out. Well, he's a pitcher, and he's going to pitch right before, so he wasn't going to pitch the way his uh, rotation The way his rotation fell. So it just would have been an appearance. Put on the uniform and sit in the ballpark. To go all the way out there. Maybe if they had kept it in Atlanta, it might have been a little bit different. I don't know that. So, whatever. Game, any, this stuff goes on with or without you. He wasn't going to play anyway. I mean, he's a stud. Bees open a six-game series at Smith's Ballpark tonight against the Sacramento Rivercats. First pitch, 635. Get your tickets at slbs.com or listen to the game right here on The Zone with Steve Klauke on the call. DJ and PK. Hashtag RSL. You're right, exactly. You know, I was surprised as well a little bit. You know, but uh, it was the uh, it was perfect uh, ball from Aaron, and uh, luckily uh, I found uh, the back of the net. You know, and then uh, it was it was a good start of the game. We were kind of sleepy a little bit in the first half because we were too deep. We, uh, I mean, Vancouver had more ball possession and couple of I want to say half chances, but nothing nothing crazy. And then it was outstanding performance second half we we played, and uh, at the end of the day uh, we we. Deserved uh, three points. Demir Krylock there scored in the first minute of the game, added a second 42 goal. 42 seconds, and you yeah. say there's no action in that sport. How come we never have Sniggy's calls? I don't know. I don't roll on during the game. I mean, come on. That'd be so darn exciting. I'll start doing that, I guess. Demir Krylock now with seven goals on the year, tops on the team. Now, I wonder. He's from Croatia. Yes. Is he buddies with Bojan Bogdanovic? Yes. And did you know they were born only two days apart in did, April? There I did you not go. know that part. They're both 32. One was born April 16th. The other was born April 18th. From the same country coming over here in little old Salt Lake City, Utah, and doing very well. That's interesting, isn't it? It's a small world. After all. Yes. No, I'm not going to do it. So, and because if I do it, you're going to say, "Oh, I knew that was coming." The world of laughter, a world of cheer. <laughs> Brian Dunst's sister is getting married and is engaged to someone who grew up near there. And uh, Dunny took him to uh, to practice the training session on. Uh, this was a Friday, right? Practice is okay. This I, is the U.S. I'm, I'm lost on the days of the week. It doesn't. The matter. game was Wednesday, it, so it's it, Tuesday. It, it's irrelevant. And they had like a ten minute chat. They were talking about the motherland. Bogdan- wasn't it in Bogdanovich? No, Demir and and Denny's soon-to-be brother-in-law. Hit it off. Albert Rusak, Anderson, Julio also score RSL when they get two goals. Four wins, one draw. The second goal is everything. Get shut out or have the one goal, then Well, you should always happen. have multiple goals. How many times have I said that? I mean, come on. Now they get ten days off. Much deserved. Come back. Refreshed. A road trip to LAFC and then the Galaxy at home. Play both LA teams. Yeah, boom, boom, back to back. Exactly. Coming up this morning, 
Mark Harlan, University of Utah Athletic Director at 8.30. Craig Bowlerjack at 9 o'clock. We'll talk uh, name, image, and likeness in the ever-changing world of college athletics with Mark Harlan. That's in this ever-changing world in which we live in. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> Mark at 8.30, Ute fans. Be ready for that. Coming up next, lots of teams, lots of wins, but you only care about two of them. Or the excellence across the board fires you up. We'll get to that. Stay with us. And also, Marv Albert with his all-time NBA team. 55 years. I was going to say 55 years calling games. I can remember Local when I was a kid sure. listening to Marv Albert yeah. in the New York area. He's 80. So nobody has got the the whole NBA history, right? The NBA is coming up on 75 years here. But 55 That's is an awfully good yeah. chunk of it. And he did say he feels a year younger, and he said the uh, 79 is the new 80. That was his line. We'll get to that next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Big Show big with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. The Suns take a one-game-to-none lead in their series with the Bucks. Extraordinary performance from Chris Paul in his final debut. Kind of funny that he threw, you know, Jay may get hot. We just feed off of each other. Kale could get going. Jay might be hot. Jay was not hot. <laughs> Over it. Jay struggled. I had this opinion when Jay was here. Nobody shoots a harder ball than Jay Crowder. <laughs> you see Steph Curry miss a three, and it's just soft off the rim. You know, Jay misses a three, and it's bam as it rockets into the, like, fifth row. I wonder how Jazz fans feel when he's back memories, I'm sure. He was kind of the definition of a streak shooter. Some nights he won it for you and some nights he didn't. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Zero Res. When you get the garbage cleaned, it's never just clean. It's Zero Res clean. Don't have it any other way. Just $33 per room clean. Plus, you get a fourth room free. You deserve the best. You deserve zero res. Schedule with zero res today by calling them at 801-288-9376 or schedule online by searching for zero res carpet cleaning. Put an F on the B of my bubba 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 bucket list. Give me guitars. (laughs) Thinking about the way that I've been living. But I don't know where I'm getting. This is a good tune. You need to open your mind. Rearrange the letters of the alphabet. (laughs) Change the B to an F. So I got up and left. Six-pack of chillaxification. Doesn't that sound good? I'm ready. In the summer. Chillaxification. It's like degrees at 8 o'clock last night. It's like the first night in 28 years I felt like I was back in the valley of the blazing sun. It's not cooling off. No, it didn't. It was really weird. That and Where I live, it's garbage day. So I went and took out the garbage at like 8 o'clock. And man, it is seriously hot. Normally, you have a cooling off period. Not happening. No. As my wife was coming back from walking the dog, she said he barely moved. Oh, really? 
The dog's like, I don't really want to walk. <laughs> I'm not into this. I'm not up for this. Well, one she today. goes up to the school uh, at around the same time each evening, and they usually have the sprinklers in the big open field, and he just goes nuts, and they didn't have them on. Uh-huh. So no sprinklers and hot. And he's like, get me out of here, mama. Marv Albert, 55 years, calling NBA games. I wonder if anybody's worked in the NBA longer. Well, that's a good question. 55 years, that's an awfully good run. Yes! Eight years old, and I heard, yes! When Dean Meminger would make a pass to Phil Jackson, he'd do that awkward left-handed hook shot. And John Gianelli would get an offensive board. Those were the Knicks of my youth. People don't know it, because I don't talk about it, but I got the Knicks way back. Yes! Marv Alberts, all-time NBA team. LeBron James and Larry Bird are the forwards. Magic Johnson and Michael Jordan are the guards. And Kareem's the center. Anybody want to argue that? Of course. Abdul is the absolute, which is bizarre to say, but it's true, the most underrated superstar of the highest level ever. That was multiple qualifiers, but I liked it. He did, nobody ever mentions him as the best player of all time, and he deserves massive mention. Whatever MJ got, Abdul got. Championships, MVPs. Yeah, all-star appearances, all-star blah, blah, appearances, blah, 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 blah. Most points scored. Most points. Isn't that the point of basketball? To put the ball in the hoop in basketball? That's why they say it back east. Basketball? You're a big Kornheiser guy. He'll talk about basketball. All the time. <laughs> Absolutely. I would have talked like that if I would have stayed. I would have had a, a quarter for my daughter's dog. Get him some water. Tony says, I'm not a Laker fan at all, but I would take Kobe over LeBron, and I would take Shaq over Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I wouldn't. Game on the line. 15 feet away, unguarded. Who do I want? Kareem. He literally did it. Did it to the Pistons. They were going to win a title, and Kareem hit two pressure free throws. There's no question. I mean, there's not a hack and Abdul. If you're going for the clutch genes, you take Kobe over LeBron. Or LeBron has had to carry teams in a way Kobe didn't. Uh, he had, I, I look at it that he was more able to. Now, if I, if I use my center comparison, if I got one shot from the perimeter, I could argue I'm taking Kobe over anyone. Anyone. I mean, he had the killer mentality, the mom and all that stuff, and no matter what you think of him. but And that's what I love about Mitchell. Because I see in Mitchell... In terms of mentality, Kobe MJ. I think he's got it. The want to to yeah. make the big shot. Yes, I think it. The flair, the style, the ability, the desire, all the crap that metrics doesn't measure. I see it in Mitchell, and I saw it in those two. I'm not saying he's the same player, but I'm talking about these intangible things. I see the same instinct, and I have the same level of confidence that I had in those two 
And I don't know that I had any more level of confidence in those two than any player. More. Maybe as much, but not more. I put Kobe and MJ in terms of just ripping the heart away from you. Those two. And yeah, Kobe might be a little more arrogant and all that stuff, but really that only made me love him even more. That's even, He was even more cold-blooded. I mean, he, he was something. So, Matt says, that's not a bad squad at all. Marv kind of knows what he's talking about. Yes! And he gave you a kind of, because you really don't like that. Kind of. Yeah, just ask the question. Don't soft pedal it. Kind of. Just go right at it, man. And people don't understand in the media, the tougher the question, the more the person who's being asked the question will respect you. I know what the question is. Just ask it and I'll answer it. I've often found the, the tough question, don't worry about it. They'll respect you more for doing your job. I went through it for years. The, the, the time has kind of passed me by, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Not entirely. But, you know, these younger guys I hear in these interviews, the kind of, just they'll respect you more. Even I mean, you're not there to be their friend anyway. You want to be their friend, you should get out of the business. And go be their friend. Colton says Scotty Pippen should be there over Michael because he was the reason for him being so successful. Uh, sarcasm. He yeah. actually put sarcasm in there so people didn't miss it. <laughs> well, can you imagine what Scotty would have been able to achieve if he were white because Phil Jackson was a racist? According to Mr. Pippen. Right? He's comfortable with saying that. He has said he it. He said it on Danny Pugh. Dan Patrick, for those of you who don't know. I'm not going to go by. They call me Patrick Joseph. That's why you call me Sniggledorf. You just will no. not acknowledge stage no. names. Well, that's just your middle name. You and Dan Pugh did the same thing. Went with your middle name. Gideon says, Mars list seems biased towards the 80s and 90s. Wilt the Stilt didn't hold so many records for so long for nothing. Almost nothing. So we isolated by position Kareem over Wilt, Bill Russell, Shaq. Any centers you would put in that group? Those four? They, they say George Mikan was unbelievable. Yep. Any other centers that I'd put in that group? And you should have seen Sabonis in the European leagues. Okay, thanks for that. <laughs> didn't we? We heard that for like ten years. Didn't we, we did. Actually, I would I would put a healthy Bill Walton there, in all honesty. But he didn't have any. He had no health. Uh, Bill Walton to me, a healthy Bill Walton, and we only saw it for a sliver. Dominated was just as good as he can get. I, I read his book. And in that final, he glosses over that one where he was 20 or 21 or something. Mm-hmm. In yeah. the NCAA final. Yeah, <laughs> he, just, yeah. He, he just glossed over it. And people talked about it. And I was too young uh, to have witnessed it. But that doesn't matter. You can look it up and whatnot. And I heard people talk about that. And all the stuff that he can do or was able to do was just incredible. I mean, he's known more now for his flamboyance on the broadcast that he does and all that stuff. And uh, his brother was Tom Hummel's roommate in college. They both played football for the Bruins. Did you know that? No. 
I did not. You watch Bill Walton? I mean, I knew his brother was an athlete, but I Bruce? didn't know his brother. Yes, but I didn't know his brother and Homo had the tie. Yes, there were roommates. He, he, he broadcast a BYU game once, and he said it. So, I mean, he's known for that. I saw him down in Vegas at the MGM when they used to play the tournament there, and he was in that little mall area, the indoor, that goes big, long path from the casino back to the arena, and he was just mobbed. So I would put him as a healthy. He just had no duration whatsoever. He's like Jojo Charbonneau, one rookie of the year for the Cleveland Indians and then got hurt and you never heard from him again. You remember Jojo Charbonneau? I know the name. Oh, phenomenal season. Oh, you should remember it. Look it up. How do you spell Charbonneau? <laughs> <laughs> Brian says, that's a great team, but no Dr. J, no Kobe. And there are others. There's too many great players to narrow it down to five. No, there's not. <laughs> that's the whole point. Yes. <laughs> Actually. My top I can five see, includes 15. <laughs> I, I, I totally get Kareem at center, and I'm fine with that, but I know the other three have people you know, pushing it. I think when you go to forward... It comes down to LeBron, Larry Bird, and the guy who gets squeezed down this list is Tim Duncan. But I don't think it goes beyond that. No letter carrier, huh? Wow. No, no letter carrier, no. Wow. Um, how about uh, Elgin Baylor? How about him? Sure. No. Others receiving votes? You don't even give letter carrier others receiving votes? The second leading scorer in the three, league? Wow. Those three have separated themselves. Uh, fine. But I'm saying players. also receiving votes. You don't even consider him. I think he's got to at least minimally be in the discussion. But well, I know he didn't win a title. Yeah. He won me several in my fantasy basketball. <laughs> the guy was absolutely awesome, man. I think I won three titles. And we did it down in California with the guys I work with, and we would brag about it, and they got so sick of me. I mean, they hated me. They didn't even give me a goodbye party. Said, Get out of here, man. Tired of you and your big mouth. <laughs> and I would always go with Malone. Taunt, all you did was taunt USC fans and <laughs> Laker fans. They were happy to see you go. And some, some appreciated me. They appreciated my singing. <laughs> I used to belt out tunes. We worked nights, nights on end. And they were putting out, we put out three editions, so we had a lot of work, but we we had a great time. Still friends with a lot of those guys all these years later. And I would pick Malone every year if I could because we went on aggregate total points, uh, rebounds, uh, assists, steals, and blocks. And for points and rebounds, I mean, go the not average, just a total number. And since he always played every game, he would dominate – Man, I, I really believe you got to at least consider him. If you don't want him on your final list, okay. Sure. And if you're doing a top top five, top ten list, no. absolutely he's on it. But no. don't you think those three have pulled away from the field? I'd have to go back and look. I mean, Dr. J is someone that if you're going to go for entertainment factor, uh, I mean, he's isn't he recognized as the face of the ABA? And so do yeah. I just... Just discard him, Doctor J. Doctor I mean, J. In my Julius mind, Irving. I can see him with the windmill in the. Was it in the finals against the Lakers? And the other one, he starts on one end of the baseline and he ends up on the fourth row of the other baseline. 
and he puts it in off the backboard. Come on, I've got to consider him. to the hoop. Who could make that move? They say Connie Hawkins could, and that was way back before the league was getting any type of publicity to the level it gets, even in Dr. J's day. And and the slam dunk, what do you do? Take off from the other free throw line? They made him register while he was in the air. F F C C F A A had to land him. <laughs> Please clear the runway. <laughs> that's, that's what they should have done. If anybody wants if you're looking for something new, get the FAA out there. Get the, get a get some guy with the noise tower. noise can't see. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And then the flashlights with the plastic on the end, bring him in. Yeah. Yeah. And have a fake guy in a tower. Set it up like that, man. Add some more. Come on, guy. I've just given you a ticket to win the thing. Matt SM and Ryan, all three of them, 100%. Perfect. I agree 100%. Marv Albert's all-time NBA team. Kareem at center, LeBron James and Larry Bird at forward, and Magic Johnson and Michael Jordan at the guard. There's no argument at the guard, is there? I mean, I just said three forwards. Magic and Michael. Right between the trees, he's making a pass. I can see it right now. I'm looking at him. Yes. I mean, come on. And you totally dismiss him? Yes. I am looking at the vaccine man himself. John R. Stockton. I'm going to look it up. (laughs) And I've got a word. It's H, actually, isn't it? Yeah, for hell of a point guard. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's for Houston. It's a family name. I've got a word that needs to be changed. And would you all want to advocate Stockton? You always say pure. I've got a word that is going to change that, and it's going to make your argument a thousand times more legitimate. Take away the word pure, and I've got a word. And during the break, tweet in the word to Sniggy here and see if you can get it right. If you get it right, I got nothing to give you, just my respect, which is way more than any prize materialistically that I could give you. This is the word that you have to use. And we come back, I will give you that word. I want you all to all right. guess the word. Twitter, David DJ James. And don't try to send me some of those words, people, because I'm not reading them. So stick to the contest. This we can even do on mine. I don't know that I'll look at them, but you can put it on my Twitter. I've got the word. If you want to elevate John H. Stockton, which stands for hell of a point guard, I've got the word that will elevate him and decline magic. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Stuart Mandel, editor-in-chief of The Athletic. What are we looking at right now with the college football playoff? How much longer are we going to deal with this 14 thing before we see an expansion? The message coming out of the last set of meetings in Dallas is definitely, you know, pump the brakes. This is very complicated. There's a lot of contracts, and they all go through 2026. And that it would actually be surprising to the people in that room if they could start it earlier. I think the reality is that they're going to have a discussion with ESPN this summer, and ESPN's going to 
to say, we'll pay you whatever you want to blow that thing up and start it sooner. I don't think you can put that back in the bottle and say, we're not going to use this for five years. I think this is everybody involved to figure out a way to get it started sooner. And the logical date is 2023, two seasons from now. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. The Top 1660 is back on the Zone Sports Network. Listen every day at 1.30 as Hans and Scotty will announce another member of the Top 60 players in the state of Utah as we count you down to the start of the college football season. It's the Top 1660 presented by Cypress Credit Union and Icon Health and Fitness right here on the Zone Sports Network. Bubba. So Marv Albert's calling a career, 55 years calling NBA games locally and at the network level. And he put out his all-time top five. Kareem's the center. LeBron James and Larry Bird are the forwards. And he's got Magic Johnson and Michael Jordan as the guards. A lot of you like that list. Few of you want to tweak it a oh, little bit. Oh, everyone likes it. Do you think Some people want to tweak it. Okay, but you still got to like it. So, for people who want Stockton in there, how do you get Stockton over Magic? And you said there's a word. Well, everybody would say, oh, he's the best pure point guard. What is pure? Now, if you want to elevate John Stockton. Kevin says Stockton equals unadulterated. (laughs) This must be what PK the pure will say. I don't even know what that means. Justin says if you want the word, the word is the bird. Larry the bird. I'm thinking of a word. You need to substitute pure. Because pure doesn't cover it. Because Magic played point guard. He jumped center, but he played point guard. So if you want to move him off and move up, John, you need to stop with the word pure. You've been using the wrong word all these years. It's like all these guys who keep saying reoccurring. And there's one guy in particular, and we have him on. He says it. Uh, is it Mike Conley had a reoccurring hamstring injury. It's not reoccurring. It's recurring. You, I know it should be reoccurring, but it's not. It's recurring. So drop the O. You got me? Sure. In fact, he used it the other day, and I don't know. Should I tell him or not? <laughs> no. And hopefully he's listening this morning because I know he listens. It's recurring, not reoccurring. So you're using the wrong word. And pure isn't the word. I've got the word. What is it? You want me to give it to you? I do. Should I do it now? Yes. As we speak. (sighs) Yes. (laughs) Yuck. You just just record the word yes. And then you just play it. What are we, Marv Albert now? Yes! Yes. (laughs) Marv's list, why not? Yes! And it counts! Gordon's list. (laughs) The word that you should use and substitute when you say, instead of saying pure, you just say, when I'm talking point guards, I want, heretofore, from now on, you use the word strictly. Because that then moves magic off that list. I, the greatest magic fan of all time, 
have to acknowledge he played more than that. But he did play point guard a large portion of it. But don't say pure. Say strictly. And even today, with today's guards, are the really strictly point guards or the greatest guards today that we identify as point guards aren't a lot of them combo guards. Yes. So if you want to elevate John, use the word strictly. That elevates him. Because when you say strictly point guard, who comes to mind more than John? Seriously, who comes to mind more than John? If I say strictly, name me your best strictly point guards. He's right there. Steve Nash. I like it. Strictly a point guard. I like it. Jason Kidd. Gary Payton. I like them. All strictly point guards. I don't think of any of them as combo guards. Isaiah Thomas, combo guard. But you make a strong argument that Stockton is better than the guys you named. Nash would be a tough one. But you can make a strong argument. didn't quite shoot it well enough. Oh, he didn't come even close. What do you mean quite? That's like kind of. Kind of quite. (laughs) He didn't come near shooting it well enough. There's just no way. That was the one negative about his game. It's the only negative, really, when you think about it. I mean, he's a very good player, right? Hall of Fame player, but his outside shot was suspect. And he played in an era that he can get away with it. It's interesting to think, what would Jason Kidd be now, where it's required? See, if John played now, where it's required, no problem. Fire it up. In fact, you'd want one of the knocks against the guys. He didn't shoot enough. And you never say, no one's telling Jay Crowder, Jay, you don't shoot enough. <laughs> right? Haven't heard anyone say that. He shoots the hardest ball. <laughs> Thanks, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not a compliment. It really isn't. He's the Majin of the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> Who broke the glass backboard at Peterson Gym, and they and it wasn't the thing where you just wheel it in. It was mounted to the wall, so we had like a forty-five minute delay on a West Coast deadline. Yep, I was pissed. All right, DJ and PK. When we come back, excellent in the sport or two you care about, or you want it across the board, even if you're not following the sport. We will get to that. Next, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Mark Miller. The Mark Miller Subaru bringing you DJ and PK in the morning. So, PK, you put up a question on Facebook. BYU, 17th in the Director's Cup out of about 300 D1 schools. How impressive do people find that? They got a little uh, scoring chart there, and you get points for winning NCAA titles, going deep into NCAA tournaments. Try to kind of establish a value across all these different sports. Poles and football. Yeah, poles and football. Yeah. A lot of sarcasm. (laughs) Brian, wow, amazing. What's the Director's Cup? 
It's uh, your. It's the, the way they statistically judge your entire athletic department, men's yeah. and women's. David, BYU has an athletics cup. And Ryan says, yes, protects sensitive parts from potential impact. Bark, 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 bark. Brooks, during COVID, it's kind of like winning the Super Bowl with the scab teams, right? What? So we just dismiss their athletic department because it doesn't mean anything to you? Yes, that's what's happening here. That is a consistent. Derek has uh, something from the Simpsons with three judges holding up zero for a score. Chowder has Stephen Colbert with a very slow, slow clap. South Park, this is totally awesome. So you look at the top ten this year from number one through ten. Stanford. No. Oh. It's Texas, Stanford, Michigan, North Carolina, Florida, USC, Alabama, Arkansas, Ohio State, Georgia. Stanford unseated for the first time in some odd 20 years or some such. Uh, Stanford first time unseated since 94, 95. So 26 years then. Jeez. Yes. Every year it's Stanford, 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 until 2021. Texas this year. Taking the crown. Yes. Stanford finished second. Heads will roll. <laughs> Uh, so there's some big time uh, athletic departments in the on this list for sure. Who's around BYU? Right above them, right below them. I don't have all I have is the top ten. Oh, okay. I can look it up, but that's what you do. Yep, I'll get on it. BYU is the only non-power five team yeah. in the top fifty. Yeah. So there's something to be said for that. When you think about it. Those lesser uh, sports, in terms of publicity, their coaches, their players, their staff members. They work just as hard. They really do. They're there. Off-season weight training and conditioning and blah, blah, blah. Everything that everybody else does. You know, the higher-profile sports, these people. They're putting in the time. It matters. It matters a lot to them. So I think this is cool for BYU to be in the top 20 in the, and what'd you say, the only non-Power 5? Top, top 50. Top 50? Yep. Yeah. BYU is navigating, the bigger picture here is BYU is navigating in a world where when you look at the counterparts, they don't really belong, but yet they're still doing it. You know, five football players drafted, and they're not in Power Five. And then another seven signing free agent contracts, which matter. Not all seven will make it, but some of them will make it. And so when you look at what they're up against, to be able to still find ways to compete, I think is impressive. I think that's the story in this this Director's Cup deal. So you can blow it off because nobody cares about women's tennis and men's tennis. Women's cross country won the NCAA championship. And we don't really care. But, I mean, those ladies who are running out there, they're putting in the miles on and on and on. And so it matters to them. I appreciate it. appreciate the effort. You just don't roll out of bed and start winning cross country meets, let alone the ship, without all sorts of dedication. So I appreciate that. Something to be said for that. You know, a week ago today, I went to a little gathering for the retirement of Joe Baird, sports editor at the Tribune. 38 years. Now, he didn't have any fanfare, 
but the thing, and I went because I wanted to respect the guy, and the thing that I respect is he went to work every day for 38 years. That's a really good run. Yes. There's something to be said for that. He gave it his best for 38 years, and he did his job. That has my literal and figurative applause. I respect the heck out of that because that's what my father did. He did it for longer. Two jobs to try to give us what what he could. There's something to be said for that. It's the same thing here with these, these ladies running cross country. They're out there every day running to make sure they're in a position to win. So, yeah, it doesn't get any sorts of publicity the way football and basketball, what have you, get. But they're putting in their time, and I respect that a great deal. So I think the bigger picture here for BYU is they're negotiating in, an, in a world in which they don't belong when you look at it. They don't fit in. These athletic departments have support from the big-time football TV contracts that Power 5 millions. leagues are pulling down. Yeah, millions, literally. Right. And BYU at 17, the uh, schools right in front of them, Kentucky, UCLA, Notre Dame, LSU, and Florida State. Those are the five teams right in front of them. And BYU's right in front of Oklahoma State, Texas A&M, ASU, Duke, and Ole Miss. Oklahoma was 24, and Oregon with Nike money was 25. And BYU was 17. Yeah, now maybe you say with Oregon, you know, they really care about the, the, the big two where they just pump in untold amounts of money. So they're getting what well, they want out of that. I just watched the Olympic trials and somebody pumped some money into a track stadium because that looked pretty sweet on TV. Oh, yeah, they have a lot of that stuff up there. I've yeah. seen it a million times. Right. Yeah, I've been there. So they've, they've pumped money into other sports. Yeah. And you're right, they've poured it into football. Right. They, they haven't cheated football. They build a great Phil Knight baseball stadium because they got sick of Oregon, Oregon State. State being good. So wait a second here. And I, and I, think, I think they hired a Fullerton coach. Just paid him all sorts of money. And they call it PK Park, which I thought was a great name for a, <laughs> a baseball stadium. <laughs> Phil Knight, not Patrick Kinahan. But I, took, I took a picture of it. PK Park right there, man. Well, the Knights just donated $500 million to the sciences. science campus. Yeah, yeah they, did, they did do that. And, that. and that's good, too, obviously. And he's got the money to do all that. And way to go. Good for him. And good for Oregon football. But there's more to it you know, than just Oregon football. Uh, and... The, if you're going to have an athletic department, I don't think you should just have it just to have it. If you're going to have it, you know, you play to win the game, right? And those men's and women's coaches, they're, they're fighting just as hard to win the game, whatever game that might be. So I think you got to give BYU credit for being able to play the game, so to speak, where they don't necessarily belong financially. And they're not receiving these untold amounts of money that are just going up and up and up. But yet they find ways to compete. There's something to be said for that, man. They're showing up every day and going to work. It's like that reference I use with Joe. Showing up every day for 38 years. These, that's what they're doing. Isn't there some honor in that? That's rhetorical, right? Well, if you want it to be, if you don't want it to be, it's up to you. And, I mean, I don't care about any of these sports for their for their sakes. You're not going out to watch the uh, the cross country race, the volleyball match. Well, I did when game. I worked for the Watchdog. I I actually did. I was assigned 
to cover. I covered NCAA volleyball, Utah and BYU on the road, uh, and soccer. And you spent a grueling softball. week on Oahu because of NCAA volleyball. Oh, it was a total racket. <laughs> <laughs> Best work trip ever. Yeah. How long did you have to go? I left on a Tuesday and came back on a Monday. All right. And the thing that ticked me off and ticked my wife off is BYU men's volleyball. <clears throat> I think it was like in 04. They won the national championship over Long Beach. And uh, I, I told them for weeks that they're going to go to the Final Four in a fi- because the regional here was local, and they're going to go to the Final Four, and it's going to be in, on Hawaii's campus at the Stan Sheriff uh, Center. And they said, no, no, no. So then, literally on that Monday before, I was golfing Monday afternoon, I get a call, hey, we want you to go. <laughs> I told them for weeks. I said, okay, but you're going to pay top now dollar. Now it's for- way more expensive. Yeah. So my wife couldn't go, and we couldn't get childcare for a week just on the spur of the moment. So I went by myself. And like um, football Saturdays, especially in those days, man, you had about 20 stories to write. Here I was writing one 15-inch story off of volleyball, and that was it. I could do that in my sleep. (laughs) During the game. (laughs) Yeah, and the games were at night, which meant I had all day. Just What can you do in Hawaii when you have all day, PK? (laughs) And you're not paying for it. Now, any luxury I would have paid, but I mean, food and lodging, I'm not paying for it. And the airfare. And the, yeah. Yeah. Transportation I wasn't paying for. So, I mean, it was such a freaking racket, man. And so then, then you thing. paid attention. <laughs> well, I paid attention anytime I had an assignment. Yeah. And so, and that was like women's basketball. I didn't necessarily go to all the games, but I paid attention because I knew when I got the conference tournament, I was paying attention. I'd have to write. And then I did both BYU and Utah. They, they went to the Sweet 16 when I was working there, and I had to cover them. And, and I gave them my best effort. I didn't blow it off because they're out there. And, I, and so I saw firsthand Utah women's best. I think Elaine Elliott, we talk about Becky Hammond getting a lot of run for being, in a, uh, being able to coach men's. Uh, Elaine Elliott was a phenomenal women's basketball coach. Because they don't have a big recruiting base in the state of Utah, so she had to find ways, look under rocks and all that proverbial stuff to get talent in there. Canada, hello. They did Canada a lot, yes. And she had competitive teams virtually every year that went to NCAA tournaments. Yeah, I don't know what her final win total was, but it was over 400 wins. It might yes. have been over 500. Very, very impressive. Yeah. Tons of NCAA tournaments. They, the the When you look at the banners, those are in the rafters of the Huntsman Center for all the teams yeah. that play in there. They're not all her teams, but they're mostly her teams. And then Beth Lanier at volleyball, she's only been there for 30-some years, mm-hmm. built the thing from scratch. You mean to tell me that that's not great? Uh, she, didn't she take over a one-win team? Yeah, yeah. something like that. And they so, were, uh, both Utah and BYU were seeded into the Sweet 16 into the tournament this year. Yeah, the Utes got upset. Yeah. So I follow her team. I used to have to cover it. I covered them on the road in NCAA tournaments. So, uh, and when you, when you go to those assignments, you, you owe it to those people. You owe it to your employer. And for me, I always owed it to my father because he busted yeah. his butt every and your, day. And your readers. And the folks who are reading it. And, then, and the participants. Because they're giving all they got just as much as the Fiesta Bowl and Sugar Bowl. No less effort and intensity and commitment 
So I have enormous respect for all those people who are doing all that stuff. And BYU's doing it at a high level. I think that is admirable, especially because they don't have the money pouring in the way. Look at the look at these big dogs. Michigan third, North Carolina fourth, Florida fifth, SC sixth, Alabama. Come on. Ohio State is in the top ten. Of course they are. Notre Dame is 14 and BYU is 17. And Oregon, with all that Nike money, is 25. It's a pretty wealthy neighborhood right there. Take that, ducks. <laughs> BYU looked at Oregon as far as the Director's Cup, and they said, get the duck out of here. That's exactly what they said, and they were right saying it. You got to be very careful saying it. I slowed it down. You did. <laughs> Scotty G, careful, careful. Oh, my Joe Ingles here? <laughs> yes. So, yeah, I think there's something to be said. We can make fun of it because it doesn't get the publicity and all that stuff. But when you step back, to me, is it more impressive that BYU does it if Utah versus if Utah was able to do it? Because Utah's in. They're in, man. Utah was 60th this year. Average over the last five years has been 57th. Wouldn't they want to be better? Yeah. Well, I think that's why you're seeing coaching changes, right? Someone with a fresh vision, ability to elevate some of those sports. Getting a new coach in women's soccer, getting a new coach in baseball. Maybe there are more, but those are the two that jumped out at me. Eh, I think it says something. Especially today, where there is such an unlevel playing field. And nobody can argue that. That it, and even among the halves, there's an unlevel playing field. I mean, you look at the budgets of Ohio State's of the world. It, it, yeah, the, the rest of the Big Ten, it's an uphill battle. Absolutely normal. Rutgers, enormous. go compete with those guys. Good luck. Yeah. Illinois, go compete with, compete with those guys. Good luck. Right. So you look at what they're able to do financially, and then you have to take a look at what BYU's able to do financially. And how they're able to get it going, I think you gotta you gotta say, "Hey, good job," rather than just totally just dismiss it all because ah, it doesn't mean anything. Who cares about golf and what have you? All right, DJ and PK, it's ninety-seven five and twelve eighty. The zone. We can talk more about this with Mark Harlan, Utah Athletic Director. Scheduled him last week to get him on to talk about name, image, and likeness, how the Utes are going to approach this, how it's going to impact the teams on campus. And we will get to that with Mark Harlan coming up next. Craig Bowlerjack, TV voice of the Jazz, at 9.05. Stay with us. The playoffs may be over for the Utah Jazz. But the season never ends on the Zone Sports Network. From the NBA Draft. To free agency and on to the summer league, the zone will be with the Jazz every step of the way as the Jazz front office builds for the future. Your exclusive home of Utah Jazz basketball is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are brought to you in part by Syringa Networks. Working from home or with a hybrid workforce, get a powerful IT partner with Syringa Networks. 
Call them at 385-420-7881 or visit syringanetworks.net. Mark Harlan will join us here in a few minutes. Utah Athletic Director, name, image, and likeness. The big story in college sports. And what we were just talking about with the Director's Cup, the rich will get richer. It's not going to upset the power structure that much. I don't think so. It remains to be seen. A few outliers, a few crazy examples. But mostly, the rich will get richer. Uh, yeah, right now I'm thinking you're absolutely right. We we've been talking about this. We had a Barry Trammell from Oklahoma, longtime columnist there, and uh, he was thinking that. This one thing, you know, BYU sent out a thing last week, and, it, and they want their kids to comply with the honor code, so you're not going to obviously uh, endorse beer or whatnot. That sort of, I wonder if that would be universal. You know, who wants an 18 year old in and endorsing alcohol. Uh, but I, there's... Uh, what about the gambling websites? That seems to be more where there could be more controversy. Uh, the, the gambling websites have money. And sports has always wanted to create some type of separation there, less now than they used to, but still somewhat. That thing is so regulated, and it's maybe... Yeah, I get your point. Uh, but... I don't know if that's if they even need that though. If they, I don't know if the gambling sites want to go into that. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, maybe they don't. There's one thing that caught my eye in the BYU thing that I wanted to run past Mark, and it says that I'm reading right from BYU's email that they sent out. It says, in order to best assist you, all student athletes must have NIL agreements reviewed by athletic administrators prior to engaging in the NIL activity. I wonder if that's just a wish. But so somebody says no. What are you going to do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pull their that scholarship. That must have. That sounds good, but isn't that more of a wish? Well, Tom, I think, acknowledged that when he was with you guys, saying that these we're, we're out of the loop on a lot of this stuff. Right and they now. said, it must have the agreement. So they have to review them. Please bring it but to our Suppose office. somebody says no. no. <laughs> <laughs> I cut my own deal here. With uh, whatever car dealership, whatever whatever it might be, and they're going to give me a car, and uh, you know I'm going to talk about it and like lock with the Murdochs, and uh, away they go. And what what could BYU? And I'm just using BYU as an example. What would they be able to do to say, no, no, you got to bring it to us? And Joe Blow says, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Make me. How How's that going to play out? Probably like you just said. There's always the worry, I would think, that uh, certainly if I were on a development team for a university, I'd want to see all the uh, name, image, and likeness because there's so many businesses and so many startups. Like there could be a somebody new that the school could look at as a donor or someone they could cut a sponsorship contract with. It'd be like providing leads to a salesperson, essentially. Yeah, I got you. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We are joined now by Utah Athletic Director Mark Harlan. He's on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah is in an extreme drought currently. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Mark, welcome to the show. Good morning, guys. How are we doing? We are doing well. 
And you've had about a week now, a little more than that, but about a week of name, image, and likeness. And I wonder, how much have you learned? You got more questions than you did a week ago? You got more answers than you did a week ago? Is your head spinning faster than it was a week ago? Oh, you know, it's been a, uh, it's been a good, good first week. Filled with a lot of training and education, understanding, um, and uh, it's fun to see some of our real engaged student athletes uh, start to make progress in whatever they happen to be interested in. But uh, it, it is such an early phase of all this. Um, you know, we're just we're just anxiously awaiting anything we can help. So you have a football program that is extremely high profile. Everyone knows that. And you've got some guys on that team that people would want to uh, align with. It's clear, right? I mean, they're good students. They're good athletes. They're good people and all that stuff. And so uh, I would think that they've already been uh, inquired about as far as that goes. From the university's perspective, we were just talking about how universities would like to be involved. What is your level from a university standpoint in terms of reviewing and almost to the point, I don't know if approving is the right word, but what's going to be the connection there? Well, you know, obviously we talked about this being a weekend. What is literally eight days in is us finally getting the structures of, of what the quote-unquote rules of engagement are. I mean, right up until the 11th hour, well-documented, uh, we did not have any structure uh, from, from the NCAA and how this would work. And, of course, you guys know we're in a state that does not have specifications via a state law. So when midnight on July 1st uh, came about, or I should say 1201, you know, we really had an opportunity to kind of do what we thought was the very best for our students. And so we've kind of crafted along those lines. And so what we've really done is, is talked about how to do this with our students, right? How to. So the how to would be Come forward with concepts, ideas, things that you want to do. Work with our compliance office. Get some basic understandings of, of how this would work, some understanding of, of anything that may come about. And, of course, we're talking there about tax issues, if we've got kids on Pell Grant, if, if there's effects to that. Um, we also want to make sure that they do understand, which has not been widely reported, that there is still some eligibility items we have to, we have to work on. If they're doing a deal that's inducing them to stay at the University of Utah, if it's an incoming kid, to come to Utah, that will affect their eligibility. They have to do things that are straight pay for work, endorsement for work that are similar market values. So we've that what other people would get. So we're we're working with them on all that. Um, the best thing we've we've really been able to do here, and something I'm really proud of, is Sharmel Green, our deputy AD and chief operating officer, who's leading this initiative. She just developed this incredible partnership with her team with the business school on campus. And that's the Lasan Institute, which is a great entrepreneurship program here. And so we're working with those people to work with our students to kind of craft how they want to move forward in their brand, how they want to do certain things. So that's what kind of we're seeing a lot of that right now, just explanation, how to, those kind of things. And we've certainly seen some activity. Um, we've certainly seen some of our students start to do things that we're excited about. They're maybe not getting the publicity of Master P's kid, right? or those kind of things, but we're seeing some chip away at different opportunities that I think will be great for them. So are the early businesses that in, are interested, are they uh, businesses that have already been aligned with the university? Is it brand new? Are they more digital? Are they more brick and mortar? Are there any early trends? Uh, you know, I think what we're seeing is, is kind, of a, kind of a mixture. We're seeing 
Um, we're seeing some social media spaces, of course. We're seeing some Cameo. I'm sure your listeners know what Cameo is, and we thought this from the very beginning would be common. That's where our students can go on and, and give messages and videos to, to folks that want to pay for that. It could be happy birthday messages. It could be reaching out and speaking to somebody. We're seeing some limited uh, work on Cameo. Uh, we're seeing some, uh, you know, other type, again, social media type things. And I think we always knew that that would be really common. And so we're not surprised by, by any of that. But at the end of the day, there's two things that come to mind, right? One, it's July, right? And this is a time that our student-athletes either are in complete rest mode, uh, taking a mental and physical break, or if the case of our fall sports, they're deep involved in their summer conditioning program. And you got to have a lot of time to do this stuff. I mean, at the end of the day, it's up to them to do the work, uh, to reach out, do all those things. And it, it's just going to take some time and it's going to take some initiative. So I think we're seeing a, a small percentage of our kids that are involved. The rest of them are just kind of watching, and trying to figure out if they want to jump in. I don't know if concern is the right word here, Mark, but what is the level of interest, if it is concern, from the coaching perspective as how is it going to affect the teams? Well, I mean, certainly that's been a big narrative for the last year plus on this is how does this all come in and how does the, uh, you know, the star athlete on any team, he or she get money and the others don't? You know, these are all the, the things that were of concern to, my, to many but it really hasn't been that big of a concern for us here because, you know, maybe we're just real proud and, and confident of our coaches and how they handle team dynamics and expectations. Um, and I think we got great kids here. I don't think a kid wants to come in and cause friction on his team by doing something that's unseemly or getting way far ahead of anybody. I mean, I'm sure we're going to have a couple incidents here and there, I mean, just like any place, but not too concerned about it. You know, not too concerned. Um, that it's going to cause cause issues. Obviously, that's up to the coaches. Uh, you know, before July one and after July one, and work with. Mark, you're breaking up there. We've lost the last uh, twenty seconds or so here. So, uh, Yak, you want to pick him up and talk to him, see if you can uh, reestablish that, and we want to hear that answer. And answers to come from Mark Harlan, Utah Athletic. Director. Oh, I'm just getting started here. <laughs> I bet you are actually. There's a lot of questions with this. Yeah, I want to go in. I think the time thing is is a big deal. What do you mean? Well, we hear how busy these student-athletes are. I mean, we talk to them. You know, Jalen Johnson graduating three years, uh, trying to get to a place where he can go in and compete in the NFL right away. And you talk to him about social life and the college experiences. I don't have time for that. <laughs> yeah, but you got time to make money, though. It's another yeah. story. Money, money talks, my man. And we all know that. All right, we got Mark Harlan back on. Sorry, Mark, can you go over that? But we just didn't hear the last 20 or 30 seconds there. Clearly, I, I need to get a better endorsement with a cell phone. There you go. But, uh, <laughs> no, I was, I was just saying team, dy- team dynamics have been something that have been concerned, you know, of concern, I think, by, by a lot of different folks. But we just haven't seen any issue with that, nor in all our educational work. We've been meeting with our students for weeks on this. It's just not something that... Uh, you know, we really believe is going to be an issue here. I think most kids, if they have an opportunity to earn well or do things, I think most of their teammates would be proud of them and happy for them. Um, I think if you start getting team dynamics that appear because of that, you probably had something else that was brewing anyway. So I'm, I'm confident our coaches will be able to handle whatever comes uh, in regards to that. 
So I'm curious, you compete inside the Pac-12 conference, and you compete with these other 11 schools, so you want to have an edge on them. On the other hand, you also work together with them, and the brand is all one, and you certainly share ideas and best practices. So how does it work with name, image, and likeness? How much is sharing is going on with this, and how much of this is, I want to tell those guys, we got to beat those guys. We're recruiting against those guys. Yeah, I mean, we've been working pretty closely together on it. I mean, as I said, we, we've been dealing with all the, the issues with, with what was going to come from Indianapolis via the NCAA on this. So we've been working real close with the member schools in our conference and, of course, the conference officials. Um, there has been some sharing of best practice, particularly on the education piece. Uh, how does your compliance office work? What maybe third-party vendors are you using to help with, with some of the things? But um, it, it really hasn't been kind of a... Uh, a secret thing. I mean, I'm sure we have some IP, so to speak, that we haven't shared with everybody, and I'm sure they would do the same. But by and by, it's been a very collaborative process. A lot of this, as far as kids getting opportunities, not exclusively by any stretch, but some of it's going to be based on their personalities. And the way their personalities have gotten out to the public has been through the free media interviews and they've got to play well and all that stuff but they you know they've got to be able to handle themselves in front of microphones and cameras and whatnot and that's a learning experience unto itself and you see kids come in and be very shy as freshmen by the time they're juniors and seniors and they're very very comfortable and i can list a ton of uh, utah athletes that have just been marvelous at it brian johnson comes to mind back in the undefeated season in uh, football the last one that you had there so i'm wondering how much is this going to change the sports information aspect of it in terms of allowing kids to be accessible to be able to show their personalities as they develop? Well, in my mind, I think it can only help it. And, and let me tell you why. One, team rules are still going to apply, right? So team rules are always going to be clear that there's obligations you have to be a Utah student-athlete, and one of them is you have to engage with the media when asked, uh, whether that be post-game, during the week, whatever. I mean, there's, there's not a situation that we would allow for, for a kid to say, I'm not doing that, unless it's unrelated to uh, you know, something they're dealing with with their health or anything like that. That's a different story. So I think if you look at it from the perspective of it gives him or her an opportunity uh, to, to show themselves and to see those personalities. You mentioned Brian, and, and there's so many others we could mention, that, uh, that, that are great, and that's an opportunity uh, to put themselves out there. So I think we'll probably see more kids want to get involved if they believe that'll help them with their brand and, and those kind of things. But we're not going to get in a situation where, uh, I'm sorry, Paul Kirk, our great uh, communication director, I'm not going to do that today because, you know, my agent says I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do that. We're, we're, not, we're not going to allow for that, nor do we have any anticipation that our students would push back on that. Mark Harlan joining us right now, University of Utah Athletic Director. So where do you think this is going to be a year from now? Have you got any idea where this is going, or is it just hold on tight? I really think it's going to be uh, you know, pretty simple. You know, The rule is there now. You can do that. I think a year from now, the students, particularly the ones that have been here on campus, you know, freshmen will always go through uh, the indoctrination process of this, but I think Students will understand how much time they have for this. Remember, they still got to be a college student. They still have to do all the things they need to do to compete. And that time that's left, I think they will uh, figure that out. And where they want to jump in, jump in. 
you know, I think it's the headline for me, and it's, I've been saying this publicly for a while, the sky is not falling. Uh, you know, we'll kick off the ball on Saturdays and sometimes Thursday nights, and, and we'll, move, we'll move forward. Um, we also know that there will be things that we'll all read about and think, hmm, you know, uh, nationally, that, that kid went there and, you know, we'll scratch our head. But I think we do that now, yeah. right, don't we? We, we, we? we do that now. So I think, I think it's probably going to um, probably settle into what I always thought, about 10 or 15% of our student-athletes will really engage in it and have an opportunity, and the rest, if something comes their way, they'll come forward and we'll help them do it. Throughout your uh, career as an athletic administrator, you've worked in a lot of different places and some bigger places where they've had pro teams of all sorts and even multiples down there, obviously, in the Los Angeles area. And then you come to a place, you're down in Tucson, you come to a place here like Salt Lake, and you know full well that college football, these guys, in, in, in essence, are our professionals, and we the media cover the, the heck out of college football and make a big deal of it. We're someplace like in the Phoenix area, you know, I've said it a million times, uh, the Devils can have a huge win and you turn on sports radio and they get to it two and a half hours into the show because they spend the first time uh, portion of it talking about the Cardinals because the pros are where it's at. So my point for you is do you think that this could be an advantage in terms of recruiting, even though you're not allowed to recruit to it, but the kid and his people can be smart enough to realize, hey, if I go to a place like Salt Lake, college football is the only show in town, basically, at that time of year. So it might be able to help me financially. Yeah. No, obviously, I, I do believe that. I do think that uh, it's a special place to compete here in Salt Lake at the University of Utah. You know, all the sellouts, if we're talking about football, and of course, some of our other sports as well. But, you know, it's it's. Um, it's, it's obviously a place where you can get a lot of engagement from fans, from media. And I think that that's just something that any young man, if we're talking about football now, is going to look at. You know, But I also believe the other things are important. Who's going to coach you? Uh, what kind of facilities do you have? What kind of university? What kind of degree? Uh, who are you going to play? Uh, you know, is it a full stadium? All those things will still be a part of the equation for a young man. I don't think any one thing. Again, I'm talking about the mass majority of the time. I don't think any one thing uh, will, will take you over the top. I do say on this particular subject, as they dive in, I think any kid or parent will look at what you just said and, and be pretty excited about sending a young person to the University of Utah. Let me make it clear. You can't go, the rule is, is you can't go and induce someone to come here to University of X by saying, hey, you come here and I'll set this deal up for you. Right. But what you can say is time goes by, you know, you can say, listen, here's our Lasan entrepreneurship partnership. Here's the things we're doing. Here's how if you engage in this experience, we're going to help you. We're going to educate you. We're going to make sure that uh, you've done this the right way, stay eligible and have great opportunities. Here's a look at some examples, you know, of other kids that have done great things. They did the work. You can come in and do that, too. That's all fine. And we look forward to, to really showing that off as, as time goes on. So how savvy do you think that uh, athletes, their parents, and uh, their high school coaches, whoever the other mentor influencers are, as far as over time realizing, hey, you go to Oregon and you partner with Nike and you go to L.A. and especially SC, and there's all these opportunities in uh, Hollywood. And, you know, in Salt Lake, there's the spotlight because there aren't as many pro sports. You know, there's not Major League Baseball in the NFL. Uh, how savvy do you think people get on the other end of the recruiting spectrum without your coaches or any coaches in any school having to say anything? 
Well, listen, I, I know there's always the fringe on either side of any, any issues. At the end of the day, most, most parents that I meet with, they, they, they want to talk about how they're, again, football here, how their young man's going to be treated, uh, how they're going to have the ability to, to graduate, have a great experience. Uh, that's the majority of conversations that we, we have with parents. It doesn't mean that they want to, uh, don't want to make sure that their son has the opportunity to earn if, if he's got the time. But most parents are those like parents of always. They, they want their son to come in and have a great opportunity to, to get better, grow. Um, and that's what we, we focus in on. Listen, I, I know there's going to be headlines. I saw the one at, at Oregon yesterday by Kevon, and that's a great opportunity for him. And I'm sure definitely we'll have someone that, that has something like that that everyone will be reading and talking about. But at the end of the day, I'm telling you, you know, what, what parents and families cared about before July 1 is still heavily prevalent today. How's the South End Zone project going? King Golf Red Zone is going great. Uh, it is. Uh, it's just amazing. Every every week, uh, you just see more changes, particularly now in the interior. Uh, very excited about where it stands. You know, we've got very few uh, you know, seats left in there. We're, we're now kind of segueing to filling up the uh, you know the return of the bleacher seats that will kind of go up on each side as, as, it, as it heads up there. Uh, really excited about it. Students are excited about it. Uh, really look forward to some open house stuff we're going to do in August. So, so all fans, whether or not they're sitting in there or not, can come in and take a look. You know, underreported about all of this is the new space downstairs. Uh, dare I say, guys, a whole new media area. I know you'll miss the Crocker Room a lot, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but a whole new new media area. Incredible locker room for the youths. Great recruiting areas that we can walk students by. Uh, just, just an amazing uh, facility, a, a club down there that's going to fit up to 900 people, a field club. The team will run out and pregame right through the, the crowd. It's going to be special. And, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day who tried to scientifically explain now how the sound will be trapped uh, in, in the south there. We'll head out toward the street. So you can imagine, as possible, it's even going to be louder than ever. So. Uh, we can't wait to get that that started, and uh, it's amazing to think that's a couple months away. So the media space, is it going to go back to the uh, old type of media rules? I get asked this all the time. What are you guys going to do? And it doesn't matter, you know, depending on the fan, it's Jazz, it's Utes, it's Cougars, whatever. How's that going to play out? What's that going to look like after a year of Zoom? Well, we got to get back to, to in-person. you guys got to do your work. It's good for our students to be in that session. I mean, obviously... Uh, there could be some times when a Zoom makes sense for everybody, but I, I you know, our head coaches know my my play here is that we're going to get back to uh, you know to, to doing business as we did before because I think it was a good way to do it. Um, and uh, you know, in, in the case of football, just the, the way we've set it up down there. Now, I will say this, you guys, it's a, it's a big room with a glass wall, so that club group is going. You guys will be like fish in a bowl in there. So the, <laughs> So they'll be looking at you. So when uh, PK asks one of his infamous questions, uh, he'll get those same looks, EJ, that you're looked at by, by hundreds of people watching. Oh no! So you guys will have to do a, you'll have to do a little hair hair and makeup uh, post game. Be nice. Yeah, I'm excited for it because uh, I think at that point, you know, once that thing is up and running. Uh, the way I look at that stadium and then with the football facility that opened, I think, before you got there and all that stuff, I look at it from the football perspective. The U of U pretty much at that point has everything that it needs to be successful. 
Yeah, I appreciate that. It's it's certainly something that uh, we felt like we needed to go over 50,000. We needed to add premium seating. We needed to get way better working space for, for our football program during a game. Um, so really, really excited that we're there. And during a pandemic, to have all our donors step up, not miss their their uh, annual pledge donations has just been really inspiring um, and shows the care that everyone has. Uh, and, and then you look at our fans who were buying tickets during a pandemic. So, you know, it really... Uh, it's just another testament to our amazing fan base, and, and, and you're right. You know, we have what we need. We've got great coaches. We've got great students. Uh, we just need to get back out in the field and do our thing. Well, Mark, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for coming on and talking name, image, and likeness and uh, looking forward to the wild, wild west, whatever this evolves into. It'll be great, guys. I appreciate uh, having the chance to talk to you guys and look forward to seeing you soon. Okay. Mark Harlan, Utah Athletic Director, joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. So you hear him, and we had Tom Homo on last week, actually on the first day as it was all uh, turning loose. You hear the parallels there? You hear some of the differences there? And we'll get to that on the other side. And there's the tease. <laughs> We're right back in a minute. And Craig Bullerjack, TV voice of the Jazz, coming up in 15 minutes here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. The Suns take a one-game-to-none lead in their series with the Bucks. Extraordinary performance from Chris Paul in his finals debut. Kind of funny that he threw, you know, Jay may get hot. We just feed off of each other. Kale could get going. Jay might be hot. Jay was not hot. <laughs> Over it. Jay struggled. I had this opinion when Jay was here. Nobody shoots a harder ball than Jay Crowder. <laughs> you see Steph Curry miss a three, and it's just soft off the rim. You know, Jay misses a three, and it's ba-bam! And it rockets into the, like, fifth row. I wonder how Jazz fans feel. Brings back memories, I'm sure. He was kind of the definition of a streak shooter. Some nights he won it for you, and some nights he did Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The top 60 and 60 is back on the Zone Sports Network. Listen every day at 1.30 as Hans and Scotty announce another member of the top 60 players in the state of Utah as we count you down to the start of the college football season. It's the top 60 and 60 presented by Cypress Credit Union and Icon Health and Fitness right here on the Zone Sports Network. Just had Mark Harlan, Utah AD on, talking name, image, and likeness. We had Tom Homo on, BYU Athletic Director, a week ago. And the thing I heard in common is trying to provide structure for that which has very little structure. Tom brought so up the point. So what you need? <laughs> what you need is flexibility within a structured system. Bingo. And if you don't use that line in job interviews, that's a you problem, not an us problem. We've thrown that out there enough now. Yes. It's your brother-in-law, right? My deceased brother-in-law, one yes. of the godfathers of soccer high school in state of Arizona. What we need is flexibility within a structured system. Well, who can argue with that? Right. <laughs> we want clean it's, air. It sounds like genius. <laughs> I know. We do need structure, but we can't be yeah, just regimented. married to the rules and regimented. Right. I mean, we have to use some common sense. Yeah. It's so <laughs> profound. It is. <laughs> it's an inarguable statement. Yeah. So throw that out in your next job interview. Oh, it sounds so deep, man. We need flexibility within a structured system. <laughs> and you got to really sell it. Like, why can't you understand it and I understand it? Why don't all these other people understand it? We're the brightest people in the room. Yes. Make it sound profound. Yeah. Exactly. And he did. He loved that line. He shared it with me. Uh, so Genius. I think, yeah, there's a lot of unknowns. Uh, well, Tom brought up, hey, there's going to be 
tax ramifications of this. And heads up to all the players Mark if this really goes you. well. And Mark brought up, well, how does this impact your Pell Grant? Because you have to Pell Grant based on, you know, what the family income Financial. is in part. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so yeah, if the yeah. family income changes because you strike it big on the NIL, hey, you got to be aware here. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of education that needs to go. Now, this is just strictly my opinion, but I thought Mark downplayed it as far as any huge ramifications versus Tom. And I'm wondering, and I, I don't know, this is not a knock against the U of U by any stretch. I'm a Pac-12 homer through and through. Everybody knows that. I don't deny it. I've got biases, but the thing is I try to make my biases known so people know where I'm coming from. And people who say they don't have biases, I think they're full of crap. Uh, I think that there might be more of an impact at BYU because of the church connection. Yeah. I was saying Army, Navy, Air Force... Notre Dame, BYU, those five for sure have fan bases that are far flung beyond a geographic footprint. Most state universities, Utah, Utah State, uh, San Diego State or Fresno State, Florida, Florida State, you have a geographic footprint and that's where you really make your mark. That's just how it works with state universities. But Army, Navy, Air Force, Notre Dame, BYU have far flung networks that are digitally connected. So for those athletes that have a chance to move in the digital realm, it feels to me like a different ballgame. Not that someone at Ohio State or Alabama can't move into the digital realm and cash in, but just kind of just the basic fundamentals of how these other five institutions are set up seem different than the majority, the, the Oregon States and Kentuckys of the world. And in this case, I actually think smaller is better. Of the five that you mentioned, BYU is the smallest. How tightly knit and yes. what's the impact. Right. And it just seems from my observation that, and it, you can apply it to anybody, but we're using the LDS folks, so that's what we're talking about. And it's no slight and it's nothing negative, but it seems they get excited when one of their own, particularly who served a mission and is faithful, although you don't necessarily have to serve a mission, Steve Young and Jimmer didn't, and they love them dearly uh, as passionately and Ty Detmer, blah, blah, blah. But it, it, the point being, as long as you're faithful and you do your best to, to go to church and whatnot, they get excited about that. And that reaffirms their faith in a way. And so businesses, would they see that. Taysom Hill is a role model, right? He's done everything that he's supposed to do church-wise, as far as I don't care whether he does or doesn't, but this is just my observation of it. So who wouldn't want to align with him? Because he's a great Latter-day Saint. And I'm just putting it out there. I'm not making any value judgments on it whatsoever. I'm just saying as I see it. So I think, the and I could be completely wrong on this too, is that the BYU-LDS connection is going to help that LDS athlete, male or female, maybe, maybe, I don't know this, but maybe more so than the U of U. And that's no knock on the U of U. I mean, by goodness, don't I, I don't want to hear any crap about that because that's not where I'm but, going. But everywhere BYU plays, and it depends on if it's football or basketball, obviously. You know, th- but there's two thousand fans at a BYU TCU basketball game. I've you seen saw it. this, right? Yeah. And for football, we know there's five or ten thousand for the least important BYU road games. And then if you're playing a high profile team and a ranked, well, then it's ten, fifteen, or twenty thousand. 
you know, if you're in the West or do you go back East. But the point is, there's at least a couple thousand BYU fans everywhere you go. Well, you say that TCU, it's interesting because I can recall specifically one year down at TCU, they, they weren't very good. And after the game, I think it was Brian Santiago leading, like, uh, I don't want to say fireside. I don't know. That, I didn't listen, but I saw the fans gather in one section and the BYU people speak to them. This is on the road. Now, I've covered many teams on the road, and I never saw that. Right. But now, digitally connected and with name, image, and likeness out there, BYU athletes who excel have a chance to tap into that. Oh, no question. And there's businesses appealing to all those places. And so is one of those digitally ordered businesses going to think, a BYU athlete is perfect. That isn't going to happen in the same way for Utah or ASU or for San Diego State or UC Santa Barbara. They got geographic footprints. Okay, it's don't just leave out Grand deal. Canyon in Grand Canyon. Arizona. Grand Canyon Since and we NAU. named all the schools we went to. It's definitely not going to impact <laughs> NAU. And NAU is great. NAU won the men's cross-country title. But it is just not the same thing. <laughs> and it's not going to be. All right, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Craig Bowlerjack, TV voice of the Jazz. Coming up next. Stay with us. DJ and PK. We're joined now by Craig Bolojack on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret Utah's in an extreme drought currently. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Bowler, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. I like the song coming in. What is that, uh, PK? You can check out, but you, but you can never leave. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, 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 that just describes jazz fandom to a T. They want to check out after disappointing losses, but they always are in. And yeah, passion is always – you can't. You can't. You, you can say you did or you will or whatnot, but nah. no, I don't buy it. Nope, nope, maybe, nope. Maybe for a time or two, but when it really matters, you're right there. Yeah, maybe take a trip to the back porch come back in. So, yeah. So you got a little distance, a little removal from the uh, from the playoffs here, and not to just completely rehash the playoffs, but they inform the offseason moves, where the team has to go from here. If you had to prioritize one, two, or three things to do with the roster, what would you do? Oh, uh, boy, that's, those are all great questions, and they're all going to be answered soon. Uh, the first you know, summer of, of Ryan Smith, and Justin Zanuck making some big decisions with, I'm sure, some help from Dwayne Wade. But, you know, I, I think, again, you, you always start a team with uh, who's going to run the show. And so, you know, you do have to make a decision on what direction you want to pursue Mike Conley. And all indications, again, report the, the Jazz will pursue Mike. Um, and I don't know at what cost. And I'm not sure where, uh, you know, Ryan – and the, the, the ownership group wants to go with luxury tax. But, look, there's going to be some suitors uh, for Mike Conley. But, you know, I think Mike knows what the Jazz are, what direction they want to go, and also his relationship uh, with Donovan and the team. So I would think that's one plus for Utah. But, you know, again, you have to put it on paper. You have to be concerned of a couple of things. One is age, and, of course, the other is injury. And you have to look at, uh, you know, I guess the analytics of it all, but still the gut feeling you have to have is what can Mike give you if it's a two-year deal, a one-year? I'm not sure he's going to sign for anything less than two. Maybe he wants two, you know, and then his option. Uh, I, I don't know. But it's it's going to cost money. and But also you have to weigh the odds of, of health 
and how many games can you truly, truly get out of Mike Conley? And then saying that, guys, I would think you'd have to have another plan of action on who are you grooming to, to be in that position in the next two years or so and a legitimate backup point guard um, if you're going to keep the rotations the same as Mike is the one and Donovan is the two. But those are interchangeable. We all get that. Basketball's changed a lot in the sense of the numbers game. Rudy is a true five, obviously, but you know, most of the time coaches that I run across don't even like to put a number on a player. They just play ball. So I would think that's one, probably upping their defensive abilities on the wings with a bigger athletic player. Uh, look, Royce played his you know, tail off at 6'4 against some of the greatest players in the league. Uh, and again, I think that's still an, an issue the Jazz need to have is more of a uh, of a defender who can run and flow uh, when the Jazz uh, need transition defense. And those are my top two. Uh, I mean, the the shooting, uh, the Jazz have you know a corral of three point shooters. Do they try to up the the ante and their bench? What team doesn't? So those would be the top three. Uh, that I think the Jazz are looking at, and I'm not sure about trades. Look, they may go into you know into the free agent market if they can't find that. How aggressive are they in the trade market? Those are questions I can't answer because again, I'm I'm anxious just to see who Ryan Smith is when it comes to aggressive offseason moves. And this is his first summer, and we're gonna we're gonna find out. So I think certainly they should make uh, Conley a priority. I actually think that uh, length of a contract might be more important than money, but it's not my money, so it's easy to say that. And you don't want to be saddled where you're looking at a situation where you're just waiting for the deal to run out. They've had a couple of those over the years, and teams that have that, by definition, it doesn't end well. So I'm very not concerned, but I'm uh, curious maybe, I guess, or wonder how long the deal is going to be. And we had Locke on last week, as we do, and he was talking about the idea, he broached the subject of potentially trading Joe Ingles, not because of Joe's any lack of ability, but because, you know, to, to get something, you got to give up something. But in my mind, if they want to bring Conley back, which I think they do, and, and I certainly would love to see it, then I actually think that that pretty much guarantees that you've got to have Joe on the team because yeah. you have to have somebody who's ready to step in because obviously Conley's not going 82. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, the the Joe Ingles discussion, you know, and David's right. Every every team, if you want to, uh, you know, improve, you have to give up assets to gain them. I mean, that's just that's just the simple way of of, of doing business. And you know what? If Mike's not if his, you know, the other one too, PK and DJ. The other part of this discussion is Mike has a decision that he can make. Yeah, he can be flattered by the pursuit of the Jazz, but he may have other suitors. He may have other goals. Uh, he may get a sweeter contract, right? So is that a situation where you can sign and trade him so you do get something back in return, unlike what happened with the Hayward situation of a, of a few years ago where you lost an all-star and got nothing in return when he signed uh, with Boston. So, yeah, all those things come into play, and – uh, you make a great point about Joe. I mean, man, I tell you, that would be a tough day when Joe Ingles uh, retires or if he is, if he moves on. Because again, seven years of Joe Ingles, as we got, as we all know, fun to cover, 
uh, always has something up his sleeve to discuss, but also, you know, plays his heart out. And he's a, he, he can play multiple positions. I mean, he's another coach on the floor and well-trusted by Quinn Snyder. But your point is well taken. Teams do have to give up assets to to improve or gain the elements or the uh, or the player they need to fill gaps. So again, interesting to see what direction they go. So I'm curious, just in your interactions with small conversations, not only with the two people I'm about to ask you about, but other people around them, if you have a sense of how the organization's uh, philosophy may have changed with uh, Dennis Lindsay no longer the primary decision maker and Justin Zanuck is. Now, they work together, so I assume there's a lot of similarities, but there's always differences. What might sure. those be? Sure, sure. Well, I think Dennis, again, is the analytic guy. Uh, he builds teams and, and hired Quinn to coach him. And, and, and again, he put together a hell of a team. There's no question. I think probably this transition steps outside the box a little bit where Z or Justin Zanuck is Z as we call him. Um, he, he's a guy that has uh, relationships with, I think with agents that are stronger in that regard. Um, and also probably communicating those desires with players. And so I think that probably bodes well that, that, you know, an agent, a former agent, understands that part of the business, and I believe that would be a big, uh, a big plus when you're dealing with contracts and relationships. Uh, not saying Dennis didn't, but I think that that's a strong suit uh, for Justin. So those those are things again that will play out as well: uh, communication, uh, relationships, and the fact that it's a tight group that they know one another and there's a trust factor there and they can, they can communicate what their needs are and, and saying what, you know, playing time minutes and those type of issues that come up in the discussions when you're pursuing maybe a free agent, you know, what, what's this guy going to be able to do? What do you want him for? And what's your goals ahead? Uh, I think Ryan, honestly, getting back to this, uh, the Ryan Smith's first year of ownership he made it very clear he wanted to be a title, uh, bring a title to Utah, want to be a champion. You know, it takes money to do that, right? Uh, and to push yourself to the next level usually puts you over the tax, over the cap. So, again, you know, how aggressive will he be and what kind of influence uh, or impact as a consultant would Dwayne Wade be? You know, again, I don't know. And I think, again, those are things uh, that we will find out as the summer continues on how aggressive this ownership will be. How much do you get the sense that they want to run it back because they were close and had some things go against themselves, but they can get better? And they're not going to return everybody, but I'm talking about the nucleus and not really make a bunch of what I would consider, even if it's just one, radical change. You know, PK, I think your first question about Mike tells us maybe the answer to that is that they're pursuing him, so maybe not more or less trying to do, well, an overhaul. That's kind of strange to say when you win 52 uh, games and you're the, you know, the, the top team in the NBA by, by record. So, you know, pursuing Mike may tell us that they do want to give it another run. Uh, and maybe, again, look, they're going to make some tweaks. I mean, that's just the way this game is played. You have to on a yearly basis. It's rare that you would just stay, you know, stay pat with what you have. But, Pursuing Mike Conley 
kind of indicates that they still have um, confidence and hope that this team, the core of it, can still be a high-level competitor in the West and beyond if you stay healthy. I mean, I, I've talked to so many fans over the last two weeks of we could have won it. We could be right now playing. Well, you know, look, uh, you can't. You can play the what-if game, you know, all summer long if you like, but we'll never know. And, and I would personally, I would love to have seen a healthy backcourt of Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley right throughout the entire uh, playoffs, but it didn't happen that way. And Donovan, by the way, I, you could tell he wasn't a hundred percent. Uh, trying to play in the second round against the Clippers, but they, but you did see what the Jazz were weekend. That was, you know, a small ball. You know, Rudy being trapped at the rim and then trying to jump out. And uh, Terrence Mann goes what thirty nine on his fifteen minutes of fame, and I think he's averaging seven points during uh, during his his run with the Clippers in the playoffs. So there are just nights that you you've been weakened, and I think against the Clippers that matchup maybe show the Jazz some direction they also need to think of. Um, maybe more athletic um, and also the 6-7 type defender that can go out and really uh, jump on a guy and uh, make life difficult. You know, again, I applaud Royce, but he's 6-4 and he does a great job, but at times he needs help in the way they, that these switching defenses and, and, and the different looks you need to give you know, offenses come into play here in that in this discussion. But, you know, rounding the turn and coming back to your question, PK, I, I think, again, there's tweaks needed, and that's what they'll do. But pursuing Mike, I think, is, is kind of the first um, indicator that the Jazz like what they have, most, most of the pieces. And if they get Mike back, you know, here we go. We know the Conley-Donovan-Mitchell backcourt. Uh, and if Joe stays, you know what you get off the bench. Maybe you know they still feed him in, in, in as a starter on occasion. He usually plays with those two guys as well. Um, so we may still see a lot of, of what we saw this year and what produced 52 wins uh, during the regular season. And I want all those things, and I want to tweak all those things, and I find all those things interesting, but I just think the best thing that Jazz have going for him is how um, – I don't know what the right word is. Mad, angry, frustrated, some combination of all those things Donovan Mitchell was after the loss. Because watching him go for 39 points in a game where I thought he can't drive, he can't jump and land on that, he can't finish, he has to be a jump shooter. He's got to be. And they should have known that. And he still had 39-9-9. and And PK's talked about his clutchiness, and it seems stupid to sit here and say, this guy's just going to routinely go for 40 or 50. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't want to sit here and say he's not going to go for forty and fifty. And and the matter and the anger and the more frustrated he is, man, bottle that up for next year. That that could be the best thing the Jazz have going for him. Yeah, and you know what? Let's talk about that for a minute because again, there's always been those little you know whispers of is he not happy? I mean, he's going to start a a max contract um, next year. I mean, just in three months, we're playing again. By the way, I mean it's just bizarre, you know, that October will be here before you know it. Um, but you know, one of the things that Jazz have to do, and teams have to always take this into consideration with their superstars, is making them happy and showing progress. And so that's another concern of what does Donovan think of what direction the Jazz are going to. 
Um, a lot of times we used to say, hey, you know, players don't dictate, you know, movement. They shouldn't, but they do. I mean, PK, I think you'll agree, right, DJ, too? I mean, you know, Donovan's going to have a voice in, in a lot of the, the decisions that the Jazz will make going forward. They have to to keep him here. Uh, you know, he's one of the most impactful players since the Carl and John days, in my opinion. I mean, you know, D. Will and Boozer had moments, but this guy right here is is um, is the franchise, uh, and you've got to make sure that he is, uh, I guess, involved in in the moves you're making going forward. And I'm I'm sure he will. I'd be surprised if he he doesn't have a big voice of what what direction the Jazz go. So that's another part of the equation too. Uh, is 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 Mike Conley at the point? Donovan Mitchell being happy and probably trying to, again trying to find some defensive players that can run up and down the floor on this three. The Jazz got burned multiple times in transition. Uh, if you shoot the three, you've got to get back. If you don't make, if you make him, you look great. I mean, you're, you're going to win every game you play. Uh, the nights that you don't hit the three, uh, they take a wicked bounce and teams are off and running and you have a, po- a four-point swing. And as we found out multiple times in, in the league this year, not only for the Jazz, but no, no lead is safe. No lead is safe. 25 points, 27, I mean, third, 29. I mean, you know, putting a number you want there, and there's always a chance that teams play themselves back in. And the Jazz got slapped in the face a couple of times this year, um, especially that one game against the Clippers where, what was it, 25? And um, they couldn't hang on, despite the fact, DJ, as you just said, Donovan dropping 39. All right, Bowler, we will uh, stay in touch with you during the offseason and see where this goes. If they run it back, as PK says, or if they're small changes or if they're big changes, uh, stay in touch. We'll talk to you. Yeah, guys, uh, we'll see you soon. Draft night around the corner and uh, game two tonight. i got to ask you before I go, you picking the Suns or uh, you know, injuries hit the Bucks with Giannis? I know you got to go, but I'm just curious what you guys think. Suns all the way. Get the Bucks out of here. Yeah, I can't argue that for what I saw from Chris Paul. See, that's the other key as I go. He stayed healthy. Yeah, he did. I didn't, ex- I didn't expect that at all because of his history in, in postseason play. I just didn't think, you know, Booker and, and Chris Paul, they stayed healthy and look who's standing. So. We are. I don't give a buck about Milwaukee. <laughs> Love it, PK. <laughs> Playing with fire. Hotel Every morning. California. Yeah, yeah, hey, yeah. You can check out, baby, but you can never leave me oh, and DJ. Oh, yeah, thank you, man. I've driven yeah. many nights on a dark desert highway. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, see you soon. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. You get to the show late? You miss Mark Harlan. You miss the University of Utah Athletic Director on name, image, and likeness. You miss out on the Director's Cup and the depth of BYU's athletic department and the people who've got money they're competing with. We will get to all of that next. Stay with us. The Top 60 and 60 is back on the Zone Sports Network. Get your college football fix every day at 1.30 as the Zone counts you down to the start of the 2021 season by listing off the top 60 players in the state of Utah as voted on by the local media. You'll also hear from the coaches as they talk about the players that will impact their season the most. It's the Top 60 and 60, weekdays at 1.30. Presented by Cypress Credit Union and ICON on your home of 
the best college football coverage in Utah. 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Chris Paul, he's been a bucket, man. I mean, he, he obviously, you know, he, he gets his team involved. He's the greatest leader, you know, to play this game. But he's been a bucket for a very long time. Game two tonight, Suns and Bucks. That is Devin Booker. I respect what Devin Booker's saying. I mean, I like like for you, as far as being a leader, uh, I mean, it rhymes with bucket. That might be too much for some people to <laughs> pull apart. I thought for a minute that we're going to have a spit take. No, I mean, no. You know, I mean, yuck it. <laughs> yes, yuck it. Two more options, and Scotty would prefer I don't see the one of them on the air. Oh, I appreciate when you tuck it. <laughs> <laughs> Suns 2-0 tonight? Or oh, I think the Bucks way. figure out how to defend him. Don't give up 118 points. That's a losing number. It's just, to me, shooting is fickle to an extent. So I don't expect Booker to go 4 for 17, nor do I expect Chris Paul. I mean, he had some bad shooting nights, but I think a lot of that was from his health situation with his shoulder, and that seems to be in a better spot. Uh, So I would think Suns, but at the same time, I'm expecting 6 or 7, so obviously Milwaukee's got to win sometime. Uh if the Suns go up 2-0, then they're absolutely in the driver's seat. If they if Milwaukee wins tonight 1-1, then I think it not just even, because literally it is, but I do think that it could go either way. I, I don't think Milwaukee winning in Phoenix is a huge deal because we are talking about home court the other day, and I said I like it if you can close out a series in five at home or seven. And there's one other thing I forgot to add that I want to add right now. I think one of the bigger underrated aspects of home court is if you lose one, you only got to win one. So if you lose one at home, you only got to win one on the road. Winning two seems sometimes, like a bigger deal. Yeah, I mean, you look at the Clippers, they only won one in Utah. And they got it. So yep. winning two might have, I, I really believe in my heart, maybe it's my fandom and my want to be that the Jazz would have won Game 7 if they would have held on to Game 6. We'll never know. Because I think winning two on the road can be difficult. Well, if you want to play woulda, coulda, shoulda, we should have played this with Bowler in the last segment. If Paul George doesn't, with the game decided, run over to Donovan Mitchell and bang into him and Donovan falls to the ground in obvious pain, the Jazz didn't win again after that collision. If you could wipe out that one moment... Do you think the Jazz would have won the series? Uh, yeah, but at the same time, Joe Ingles hit Kawhi, and they found a way to win. Yeah. Without recognizable one of the best two or three players in the league. Uh, so you can play that game back and forth. I mean, that that's like officiating. Uh, what if this? What if that? I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, I do like their chances in that situation. But I think that's what... Home court, to me, and one of the things that, that plays to your advantage is you lose at home, which a lot of times happens because these teams are good. Then you only have to win once on the other guy's floor to get it back. Winning twice is hard. Much harder, obviously, as opposed to winning at one. But it's a big game. I mean, Phoenix obviously wants well, to yeah. go. I don't think they necessarily need to go up two, but obviously they want to because I think they can win in Milwaukee. I think they can win one yeah. game in Milwaukee because if you can't, you probably don't deserve to win the title. 
Well, the Clippers have a weird playoff history. They lost to the Jazz three times at home in a series, and the Jazz won in seven with the Joe Johnson, Gordon Hayward, George Hill team. And then the Clippers and the Mavericks had six straight road wins. So you never know. There's the outliers. But on the whole, you're right. I'd rather have the home court because it is hard for a team to win twice. Although there's certainly examples of it happening, including that Maverick Clipper series this year. Yeah, that was so freaky. That was. I wouldn't bank on that. It's the only time it's happened. I mean, they were saying when it was happening, this is the first time that the road team has won six straight games in a series. Yeah, right. And there's something to be said for that. So I'm expecting the Suns to win, but I'm expecting Milwaukee to be more competitive about it. And Budenholzer did speak on the free throw disparity because it was great. Mm-hmm. And somebody asked him right off the bat, and he, and he laughed, and he said, you're trying to get me fined. Well, no, the the media person is not trying to get you fined. He or she's asking a legitimate question. Yeah, and I think that he knows that. I right. think that's the kind of thing that they say. So that when the league comes out, they're like, you can't find me. You can't find me. I answered me. a question. I answered a question, and I realized, I'm not trying to make you look bad. I acknowledge that. And he said that it was frustrating. He didn't say, my gosh, we looked at the tape. Those guys were idiots. Right. They deserved to be fired. Yeah. Would have been cool if he said that. But, uh, <laughs> he didn't. No, he doesn't have the stature. He can't say that. Phil Jackson could get out there and say all Phil kinds of things. Phil could say all kinds of things. That's a reason now Popovich why, Kerr and Kerr. And why yeah. they can go so political. And get away with it, because they've won. And uh, Budenholzer doesn't have that. It seemed like he was on thin He's ice He's going to take heat right up until the minute they lift the trophy, if they lift the trophy. Which seems a little outrageous. It does. Because I look at either of these teams, man, and one team's going to win, and, and they're going to be the champion for this year, and that's great. But they're not going to go down as one of the all-time great teams by any stretch. But that doesn't matter. You win, you win. And I, and I like what Booker said about Chris Paul being the best leader of all time. From Booker's perspective, why wouldn't he say that? Yeah, from his perspective. Well, that's all but he's you got. Having watched, you having watched basketball, you have a different perspective. And in another situation, when you were trying to argue with me and do radio, you would tell me that Magic Johnson was an awesome leader. He knew how to lead Worthy. He knew how to lead Kareem. He knew how to sm- uh, massage egos. Absolutely. But that's a big part of leadership. It is. That's a huge part. And and he had a really he had a lot of difficult things to deal with. And he did it under multiple coaches. Well, and the best thing about it is he managed his own ego. That too. He wasn't looking to sure. score a ton. and Whatever it took. If it took the baby hook in Boston, so be it. Yep. It, but it did, whatever it took, if it took making a bounce pass or just getting the, feeding the ball to the post, whatever whatever it might be, he did. So, yeah, he was great. But Chris Paul, as I said earlier, I don't think anybody's done anything like this. Taking over a team that had been not in the playoffs in 10, 11 years and get to the finals? I don't care if every team lost every star going. They did something remarkable. And he was the most significant difference from the prior year. Now, they did go 8-0 in the bubble, if that floats your boat at all. So they... They were on their way. They came together. to. They were going to be better with Rubio or Paul. It didn't matter. They were going to be better this year. Uh, but it seems like, and what we hear is that he brought out the best to date of Aiton. And Aiton has said that. that Chris Paul's you been can't huge. argue it. Chris Paul's been huge for him. Yeah. 
Uh, we also talked Shohei Otani because he is just off the charts. Yak, you got that home run call because that home run, he hits his 30-second homer. He's fouled a ball off his foot, a ball off his knee. Then he hits his 30-second homer, and he is just blowing everyone's minds in the Angel organization. The next 2-2 home. You foul it off your front foot, you foul it off your back knee, and what do you do? You say, you'll have to take that little casual jog, and he rockets that one out. He's on pace for 60 home runs. I don't think he gets it. <laughs> but I like, I think that's Mark Gubza who does the uh, commentary there, the former, uh, I know he pitched for the Royals. But if you go his little thing, he was doing a little hokey pokey there. He took it off his right knee, he took it off, and I started to think he was doing the hokey pokey. <laughs> That's little, awesome. A little high-pitched laugh there. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> we talked uh, name, image, and likeness with Mark Harlan. A little structure, a little support. Make sure you don't mess up the Pell Grant. Kind of first cousin to Tom Homo saying, okay, here's how you do taxes because you could have income coming in your way. Here's what you got to know. There's all kinds of uh, if you're getting that, yeah. ramifications, all kinds of things to, to follow up on. Don't know who's getting it. But you, you guys are going to have stuff. I mean, I would think the cars would be involved. I mean, they, they're sure. sponsoring the South End Zone there. That I really believe at that point, when that thing is done and we're we're approaching the finish of it, I believe the U of U. They got it all. I I think they do, man. They got the indoor facility. They got the outdoor practice field. They've got the uh, football center with all the weights and the cafeteria and the training and the medicine space and the meeting space and all Accommodations, of that. Accommodations. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. And now the stadium, the last part of the stadium that wasn't up to grade. No, it wasn't even close. It wasn't. And now it is. No, it and would, would and been, more yeah. premium seating, more revenue to help, well, I guess first retire that debt, but then power the department forward. It's all there. They can really set themselves up to be competitive in football, which is the number one goal of every athletic department, uh, as long as you have a team. For Gonzaga, it's different, obviously. But for these guys here, uh, they can really, really make a name for themselves. I don't know how many divisions or conference titles they're going to win. Uh, but that, that I, me personally – Unless for the extreme few, and I guess SC would be in one of those categories, I do not judge conference title as the measurement of success. You want to get them, obviously. But if you roll out, you know, four, five, ten, and three seasons, I'm having a hard time saying, man, that wasn't successful. Well, the thing they've got that really only Oregon has that game day environment, the crazy fan base, and look at this. Two teams that are pretty good that don't have an NFL team right down the street. I think I, I, I think more than those two have it. Having been in all the Pac-12 cities, uh, you can say it's great, greater, but I think they all have it if you win. SC, they can have it. They can. Washington can have it. ASU can have it. They have had it. Those schools the, the have ASU, had it. Uh, but we've all seen ASU games at night 
And it looks like there's 50,000 there, and the students are all wearing the school colors, and they're all on their feet screaming. The gold, yeah. yeah. And the community, they got a lot of uh, eating establishments but, right there. But all those schools also have to battle with NFL teams down the street, and Utah and Oregon don't. They don't, and that's a distinct advantage. Yes. I mean, Oregon State doesn't either. Washington State doesn't, so there's, there's yeah. teams in there. The Bay Area, Bay Area gets buried by it. I think of all the places, the Bay Area is the worst. Yes, more pro, less college. Yeah. The tilt. The bay, having been in all these communities many times over for work purposes, uh, on game days I'm speaking of, we've all been to the communities or most of us have been in the communities maybe, uh, but the Bay Area reminds me the most of when I was a kid growing up in the New York suburbs because there it was 98% pro. The Niners are huge. The Giants are huge. The Warriors who were... A pretty big deal, even they were bad. Now we're just off the charts. So much interest, so much passion, yeah. so much money. Right. And Cal's a nice environment, but they don't win. And Stanford, the student body is small, and they come from all over the place, and they return to all over the place. Well, they're studying. No, and they're studying while they're there. <laughs> yeah. So it's not, it's not set up. I mean, they downsized their stadium, and now you wonder if they should have downsized it more. They've been better with 40 than 50. So here, none of that stuff applies. Nope. This place is electric for college football. And U of U, I mean, they really can set themselves up to be competitive, to be top two or three most competitive in the conference, I believe. All right, that's a lot of what we have been talking about during this show. You can hear the entire show at 1280thezone.com. Yacht's got, Yacht's got it all posted there. And wherever you get your podcasts. Amazon, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Your feedback next. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Time for your feedback now, all the stuff you've had to say about today's show. We talked about the Director's Cup and BYU, 17th out of nearly 300 D1 schools. And they're all Power 5 schools. BYU is four or five spots behind Notre Dame. These schools have the biggest brands, the biggest reps, the best TV contracts, the most money. And BYU is right in the middle of it. And the Director's Cup, they assign points to every sport and how you finish in the NCAA tournaments. In the case of football, how you finish ranked. And they add it up, and it measures the depth and success across the whole breadth of an athletic department. And a lot of people roll their eyes because they're not following cross-country, and they're not following tennis and golf and volleyball and swimming and whatever else. But those people are still working hard. Those coaches recruit hard, and those coaches stress about winning and losing. And those athletes run and lift weights and train. They want to win. They want to go to the Olympics or turn pro in their sport or just be the best they can be. So how impressed are you that BYU finished 17th out of nearly 300? And Michael, what's the Director's Cup? Don't know if he's trying to be funny or if he legit doesn't know. But it's a competition that's been out there for I don't even know how many decades. You traced it back to the 90s just because Stanford has won it so many times in a row. But it mm, probably goes back further than first that. First time not since 93 they haven't won it. Uh, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I'm not looking at... That specifically, I'm looking at what you have been able to accomplish as an athletic department, and you're not a P5. You don't have the $30 million rolling in or $50 million, whatever it might be, for television 
and you sta- still manage to have a comprehensive, excellent athletic program, I think there's something to be said for that. Whether I care about women's gymnastics, no, I don't. But it doesn't matter whether I care about it. What matters is they've got a comprehensive, quality athletic program. That's what matters. Here's Marv Albert's all-time NBA team. Kareem at center, LeBron and Bird at forward, Magic and MJ, well, they're both MJ, Magic Johnson and Michael Jordan are the guards. One's Irvin, though. Any varying opinions? And Ben McKee gave it a yes! Agreeing with Marv Albert with a Marv call. Well, okay. There's got to be some beefs at center. Because some people line up behind Shaq and some behind Wilt, and Bill Russell's won 11 titles. Kenneth Wilkes said John Stockton, one word, assists, end of story. He goes, Tony Soprano, end of story. End of story. So how about that one? I wouldn't change it. You can if you want. What's the guy's name? Kenneth, don't call me Keith Wilkes. Without the E. Well, Kenny can change it if he wants. Oh, you drop down a little, like, nickname almost. Kenny. Ken, Kenny, Kenneth. <laughs> the Kenster. Kenorama. <laughs> Saturday Night Live. Yeah, right. The copy machine <laughs> the here. <laughs> thing I'm sitting here. Okay, the I'm Kenster. Kenorama. Oh, brother. Some people around here, especially around here... Uh, think that Stockton should be on that list because the goal of the point guard is to set up your team, and he has the most. He set his teammates up the most. No one has set up the teammates literally more than him. So there's something to be. There's a lot to be said for that. Now I say, for years I kept hearing, "Oh, Stockton's the best pure point guard," which is a way to delegitimize Magic. Well, what you need to do is of the strictly point guards category, he's the best. Because Magic did play other positions. There's no doubt about it. I mean, well, he certainly defended other positions. He didn't defend point guards. Get, gets, get Byron Scott over to defend the point guard. Magic takes somebody a little bigger who isn't quite as quick. Yeah. You see Magic trying to lock up a bunch of six-footers. No, that was not But at the offensive matchup. end, he did it all. They put the ball in his hands, and he just did it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which... I don't think it's a knock against him, but I think you had to say the strictly point guards is John Stockton the best. Most folks around here would say yes. I say no, but if you put me back on TV and I get my job back, I'll say yes. (laughs) (laughs) You know what you have to do. Uh, That horse has left the barn. All right, DJ and PK, that's the show for this morning. And when we come back, we won't be here. Hans and Scotty will be. They're taking over at 10 o'clock right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.